Allow me to reintroduce myself. My name is Ho. H to the OV. I used to move snowflakes by the OZ. I guess even back then you can call me CEO of the ROC. Ho. Fresh out the frying pan into the fire. I be the music biz number one supplier. Flyer than a piece of paper bearing my name. Got the hottest chick in the game wearing my chain. That's right, ho. Not DOC, but similar to them letters. No one could do it better. I check chatter like a food inspector. What's good, everybody? And welcome to another episode of the Amatelic Life TIS podcast with your host, yours truly. Jai Shields here on this Friday, Football Friday. Football Friday, first one of the 2023 season, September the 8th, 2023. Got lots to do. Jam-packed program here for you guys. Uh, of course, recap last night's uh, Lions and Chiefs game. Uh, all the things I want to sound off on that game, uh, on the Lions side, on the Chiefs side. Uh, week one in the National Football League, of course, first Sunday of the regular season. Of course, the uh, preview uh, that I like to do, picking out the market games and previewing. We'll do a little something, little bit something different to begin a new season with a color aspect. And I got uh, just the two people who I would like to talk to and break down their team's respective games heading into this weekend. Stay tuned for that surprise. Of course, week one picks against the spread. Uh, some college football to talk about. Uh, Michigan State, I'm tired of them uh, kicking and screaming about uh, Jim Harbaugh getting suspended uh, and Mr. Brightside stinks, so I want to sound off on Michigan football a little bit. Uh, and, of course, you have Alabama and Texas, the big-time marquee college football game of the week coming up on a Saturday night again into that. Uh, my Baltimore Orioles uh, come from the West Coast, stay on the road, but come off the West Coast as they're in Boston this weekend with their magic number to clinch a playoff spot down to 10. Now I believe it's down to 9. And their uh, magic number to win the division is down to 19 as they now have the largest division lead since they've taken over first place in the middle of July. Up four games over the Tampa Bay Rays in the AL East. I'll get into that. And of course, my Cincinnati Bengals. Joe Burrow got paid, uh, and quite handsomely, uh, right as the game was uh, in the uh, early uh, stages in Kansas City, ironically enough, last night, I give you my two cents and react to Joe Burrow, who is now the highest paid quarterback and the highest paid player in the National Football League. So stay tuned uh, for that. And T. Higgins also. Uh, his uh, thoughts and his comments on where he stands with Cincinnati and a contract uh, situation uh, with them. So I will sound off and give you my two cents on everything concerning Cincinnati Bengals football coming up with their game against Cleveland on uh, Sunday. And then, of course, Burrow and uh, him being the new uh, multimillion dollar man in the, the face of the National Football League in that regard. Where we will begin is with the football game last night. A couple things, and then we will uh, move this program along here. First off, the Detroit Lions, ladies and gentlemen, they prove that they're for real. They prove that they are here to stay. They prove that they were not under any sets of circumstances intimidated or bothered or stir- or uh, or caught off guard or uh, – the, the them opening up the regular season against the Kansas City Chiefs, the defending Super Bowl champions, on the road at Arrowhead on Banner Night, uh, in front of a nationally televised audience on NBC, they were not bothered by that. 
the Detroit Lions were like, okay, you want to put us on national television? Okay, we'll show you put us on national television when we played uh when we played the Packers uh a short uh what eight no yeah short eight months ago up in Green Bay, up in Lambeau to knock the Packers out of the playoffs. Okay, you want to put us on national TV against your uh, darling, whether it be Rodgers and then last night against Patrick Mahomes and Kansas City? Okay, fine. We'll get we'll give you what you want. We'll give it what you want. And they went out there and they put together a, a very, very impressive performance. Not their best game under any circum under any sets of circumstances. Jared Goff in the game the other night, or last night, 22 of 35, 253. Did not play great, but did not lose the game uh for uh for the Lions either. A very solid, productive uh performance in the opener if you're Jared Goff to be to hang your head high on and to be proud of he had a very very good uh very good night all things considered not great but when you but when Jared Goff plays you know a, a C plus B minus game doesn't turn over the football but plays a C but plays a uh, a a B minus to C plus football game the Lions who were notorious to be one of the best running uh, rushing teams in the National Football League last season did not run the ball exponentially well in the game last night I mean you look up and down the box score there's nothing that you say oh wow Josh Reynolds went off Amaras St. Brown uh, you know, Marvin Jones had a bad night, got targeted six times, only caught two passes for eight yards, uh, had a drop inside the red zone in the first half. I mean, you look at you look at Detroit on the offensive uh, box screen and say, oh, real, nobody really, you know, had a dynamic, memorable uh, standout performance. And the fact that they were able to beat the defending champions, that's a positive thing. You know, it's a positive win rebuilding teams or teams that were formerly bad that are trying to turn the peak and turn the corner and and being a team that's competitive feisty but not in but a rebuilding team that's not there yet and you're trying to turn that corner to try to be that team that's that goes from being a tough out to a team that you gotta be on your p's and q's and gotta give your best effort because they're because on every and any given game day, they prove that they're just as good as you are, if not better. So when the Detroit Lions go out there and they don't play the best game and they walk and they go into Arrowhead and walk out of there with a win, when that place, it's impossible to win an Arrowhead in two months, September and in January. The Chiefs are one of the better football teams, if not the best football team uh, in that building and at home in general. When home games at Arrowhead to begin the season and in the back end of the season in January, Mahomes, you know, that's his first week one loss in the history of his career. And Patrick Mahomes, you know, when he takes his L's, he doesn't take them in September. He is one of the, and we talk every single uh, September to begin a football season, we harp on the greatness of Mahomes of just how, you know, when the season starts, it's like he's in, he's in mid season form and he puts up these exponentially impressive numbers, especially at home uh, in the first month of the season. And the Detroit Lions were like, you know what? We're not having none of that. You know, Mahomes, you're going to have a you know, nice little, you know, couple of touchdown passes, but you're not going to, you're not, you're not going to put us, you're not going to make us another statistic in the greatest uh, September performances in Patrick Mahomes. And they weren't going for that. And I give Dan Campbell tremendous credit. His team was raring to go. They were not. Into, they were. I, they, you saw a lot of extra pushing and shoving, and a lot of uh, 
you know, tackles and hits with a little bit extra oomph uh, as the game wore on last night. And that was a testament to Campbell saying, hey, we're just as good as these guys, if not better. This isn't about Kansas City Chiefs, all right? This is about us. And he said in the postgame, you know, my expect I wasn't surprised or shocked by anything. The way we played and us winning this game met my expectations when 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 the schedule was punched up and we were playing these guys the first game of the season. And that's that, what a difference coaching makes, what a difference a change in culture with Dan Ken- Just a sensational job all the way around. They weren't intimidated. Now in terms of the X's and O's, listen, for Detroit, their defense played a solid football game. They ran the ball not great. As a team, they only ran the ball for 118 yards on 34 carries, uh, which is which is you know av- which is average for them. The way that how they were able to run the football last season, they did not run the ball great. Well enough to win, but not great. Defense played a solid game. Of course, they were responsible for seven out of Detroit's off. Uh, well, Kerry Kaderis, Tony, I get to him in a minute. But the defense scored seven out of uh, Detroit's twenty-one points. They uh, executed nothing. I noticed about the Lions too. They they executed a a fantastic amount of chunk plays. I mean, go ahead. I mean, let's look at their. Uh, I mean, they faced a uh, a face. You know, on. Um, on their drive, you know, second and second and twenty when they uh, second and twenty when they when they uh, f- when they fumbled, he completed a he completed a pass play uh, to he completed a pass play to uh, no wait it's iPod and I got the wrong play and I got get get yourself organized damn it Joy come on let's go uh, they cut they I'll, and I'll find them as I go about this play by play sheet but the Lions. Uh, converted for a lot of chunk plays. They faced a lot of second, a lot of second and third longs where you would say, okay, well, you know, be conservative about it, run the football, take you out a little two, three yards, melt the clock, and then punt it away, and you know, wave the white flag and be over and be done with it. No, they com- they converted on a lot of uh, second and third longs that kept the drive alive and kept the Kansas City defense, which played without Chris Jones and the fact that that's not a great defense to begin with anyway, with, you know, they're, at, they're average at best, slightly above average with Jones on the field, but all things considered, Kansas City did not have a bad night at the office defensively. The Lions only scored 14 points. Again, Goff, the running game didn't, was was not uh, – they did not allow him to go crazy offensively. Now, granted, they did give up a – they did give up 368 total yards, and uh, and they also, you know, and the Lions were two were two for three inside the red zone. And the Lions dominated the time of possession, 32-38 compared to 27-22. Uh, but, I mean, listen, the Lions were not great on uh, third down. They were 5-15 on third down. Uh, they, uh, they did not, uh, they did not give up any, uh, first downs via penalty. So the, the chiefs defense, give them credit. They kept Kansas city in the game and they did not allow the Detroit lions offense to go nuts. But, uh, but again, there's a, and I will find them as I go about the sheet, but the sheet, the lions, if I were to find a one negative about Kansas city, my observation from the game last night is that they gave up 
a lot of chunk plays. If I was a Kansas City Chiefs fan, I'd be like, guys, what are we doing? We're having a solid defensive night, but you guys, you know, giving up these second and 20s and these third and these second and these first, second and 20s, allowing the Lions to get uh, 10, 15, 17 yard gains out of them, if not the entire, you know, uh, 15, 20 something yards, you know, to gain at, the, you know, at, during during that specific down. I mean, something's got to give. Enough's enough. Uh, MCDC uh, with, uh, and, and that is uh, Motor City Dan Campbell. I love the, you know, the fake punt. You know, he was aggressive. He went for it. He was not screwing around. He sent the message early. Hey, Kansas City, you know, the old Bernie Mac, I ain't skidding. I'm going to get that, by the way, for the soundboard so I can uh, so I can play it for you. But, uh, but you know, he was not he was not afraid. He was not afraid, not intimidated. And, um, you know, and he went out there and he took the uh, and he took the bull by the horns. Now, what I could not understand uh, was on the fourth was the fourth and two when he has the ball at Kansas City's own forty five yard line up one. I did not understand why he decided to uh, why he decided to go for there. It's two thirty and the play calling you know may and the play calling I had problems with it. Now granted they did start off that drive their second to last drive of the game on a bad foot with the false start penalty. But I mean, David Montgomery, a run, you know, when the run game for the most part, you know, had been held in check. Uh, first and five, you know, first and fifteen, it gives him, gives it off to uh, to uh, Montgomery, who gets a, who you know, he. I mean, granted, he had a nice little. Uh, Gibbs had a nice run. Excuse me, had a uh, had a nice. Uh, had a nice gain for 18 yards to make it first and 10 at Detroit's own 47-yard line. But then from there, the play calling made no sense to me. Uh, Montgomery to the left uh, for, for a little three-yard gain, and then they give it to Montgomery again. I mean, everyone in the building anticipates, hey, the Lions, uh, the Lions, you know, are trying to edge their way into midfield to get into Kansas City territory. And everyone in, the, in their mother knows their game plan is to, with still a good part of the field left in front of them, their game plan is is to milk the clock, let it go down to two-minute warning, make Kansas City uh, use their timeouts, and either kick a field goal with little to no time left for the Chiefs to do anything, or put the ball in the end zone with about and get, with or put the ball in the end zone and get a two-point conversion to make it a nine-point game with you know. A minute and change left to the point where, unless Kansas City recover the onside kick, it'd be borderline impossible for them to get the ball back and uh, and and tie the game and or take the lead. So from the from the first and ten on, with four thirty one to go in the fourth quarter, and they had the ball thrown forty seven, I was baffled. Giving it to Montgomery back to back times for a net gain for a net gain of, of five yards, and then on third and five they give it to him again. I mean, guys, uh, get off the run with Montgomery up the middle. My goodness gracious me! And then fourth and, and then fourth and two. Excuse me, incomplete pass to uh, Reynolds on fourth and two. Fourth and two. Me, me, my, I understand. You know, give Mahomes the ball back with two thirty three remaining. I don't know, man. To me, in the moment, for me, I was like, I understand it's Mahomes. I understand if you give him the ball back if and they're able to march down the field, you're probably not going to see the ball again. But for a defense that forced the turnover and, you know, the 14-point swing with the uh, with the pick six, 
and they held Kansas City to 20 points all night, and the and the Chiefs wide receivers couldn't catch uh couldn't catch a cold if they licked the bottom of a toilet seat. I don't know. My gut feeling was fourth and two. It looks juicy. It looks enticing to go for there. But I would have punt. I would have pumped the ball and pinned the Chiefs back within their own five yard line and dared Mahomes. I understand two thirty three and three timeouts with two minute warning remaining. But their offense had had an off night, and the Lions' defense was enforcing their well. Their pass rush, although they didn't, you know, although they didn't uh, get Mahomes down for any, you know, Hutchinson had three uh, sacks. Had excuse me, had zero sacks, three QB hits, and eight pressures. Uh, so you know, it wasn't like that. He took over the game and had like a two, two and a half, three, four sack performance. But the Lions' uh, defensive pass rush was getting home and was get and was making life for Mahomes behind center a little uncomfortable. If it was me, I'd have had confidence confidence in my defense. Would have punted the ball back to Kansas City, pinned them back inside their own you know ten five yard line, and said, "Go ahead and hunt Lions' defense and win this game." That's just me. But Campbell chose not to do so, and because the Kansas City Chiefs' offense again was from hunger, they had an incomplete had an incomplete pass, uh, and then they, they had an incomplete pass on first and ten to uh, again Tony, who was wide the hell open and can't get. He stinks. I'm sorry. You see why the Giants got him? I don't want to hear none of this garbage. Well, Tony, he doesn't stink. He's not a bust. He had the big uh, run back in the Super. Bowl. Who cares? A big. I understand that they wouldn't have won. Wouldn't have uh, beat the Eagles. Uh, what? Uh, nine minus two. They wouldn't have beat the Eagles seven months ago had it not been for Tony's run back. But please, his his primary occupation is to be a wide receiver, not not a return return. Then they go on trees. His primary occupation is to be a wide receiver that's meant to catch the ball and help the Kansas City Chiefs offensive uh, offense move up and down the field and him you know with the wide, him getting wide open hit separation on his routes and Mahomes is throwing the ball right in between the numbers and striking him right in his hands and he's and he's dropping it like his hands are made of stone I mean please I don't want to hear none, none of this none of this garbage about the kick about the kick return against the Eagles in the Super Bowl that's one play for the better part his NFL career in Kansas City and in New York has been a complete and utter embarrassment Super Bowl champion, but let, let, let's let's be frank. Let's be frank. Okay, he owes the championship to Sky Moore, uh, Kelsey Mahomes, and Chris Jones on the defensive side, and Harrison Butker who made two big kicks. Let's not get get it twisted. Kadarius Tony stinks. Stinks. First and ten. Ball at Kansas City's 45-yard line strikes Tony right in the hands and he drops it. Then they have an offensive holding call. Then an incomplete pass. You know, Sky Moore had a had a uh, had a, you know Sky Moore has a drop, and then incomplete pass or incomplete uh, pass to uh, deep ball down to right. Uh, C.J. Gardner Johnson on defensive, and then they also have a and then they have a uh, false start penalty on third on uh, third and twenty, and then uh, or excuse me on uh, fourth and twenty, and then fourth and twenty five. Yeah, let's go for it. We have the ball at on thirty five and 30-yard line with a little over two minutes remaining and essentially all four timeouts with the extra one being with the two-minute one. And that's where we get to Andy Reid. And my question is with Andy. Andy, 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 Andy. Andrew Reid, the great Hall of Fame coach that you are. Andrew Reid. See, that, and that's the thing if you're a Chiefs fan – that would that would annoy me about uh that would annoy me and would frustrate the hell out of me about Andy Reid 
is that he certainly has made his leaps and bounds as a as a uh, as a coach, you know, throughout the period since Mahomes has been the quarterback. But the thing that would bother me about Andy that make you chuckle if you were an Eagles fan and would make you pull your hair out if you're a Chiefs fan is that every now and again Andy Reid has those moments where he reverts back to his old. NFC championship losing ways that he had in Philadelphia and his uh, days with Alex Smith in the mid, in the mid 2010s where Andy Reid's decision-making uh, and, and, and clock management is, is from hunger and you say to yourself, Andy, pull your head out of your ass and come back to me, please. Because it was almost as like he, it, he did it out of defiance and arrogance saying, no, my quarterback's Paxton Mahomes. He's the great one. He's Houdini. He's Superman. Fourth and 20, fourth and 25, hell, uh, fourth and 27, a la Circa Ray Rice in that game against the Chargers, or fourth and 26 in that playoff game that uh, Reed's uh, Eagles had against the Packers back uh, 15 plus years ago. And it's like, no, I don't care how long it is. We're getting us first down, and out of defiance and of arrogance, we're going for it. We're getting us first down, and you're going to like it. You're going to be okay with it. Well, no, Andy. When the Lions' uh, defense has kept your team in check and has forced you to six points the entire second half, it's not the time. When you were fortunate, very, very fortunate to get the ball back to begin with anyway, with uh, the Lions, you know, three consecutive runs out the middle with David Montgomery. I mean, Mike, for crying out loud, please. And then the Chiefs get the fortune to get the ball right back, and you can't, you know, your receivers can't catch a cold. Again, if they licked the bottom of a toilet seat, you couldn't catch a cold. And then fourth and 20 and then fourth and 25 from your own 35 and then 30-yard line when you have three timeouts, 209 remaining, and then so factor in the fourth one with the two-minute warning. So unless the dog, so unless the Lions put the ball in the end zone on their next off, not even. There's a good guarantee that if you punt the ball back to the Lions and your defense, you know, puts together another stand like they did the previous uh, defensive possession, you're going to get the ball back. You got your timeouts, the two-minute warning, and there's two minutes and change left on the clock. And the Lions are going in the in the field position for the Lions. They're not going to sit on the ball, you know, inside the twenty yard line. Sit on the ball, sit on the ball, you know, and do nothing. No, you, with the with the decent punt, you're going to put them in a situation where they got to sit back and think, you know. And with with the with a punt by with a uh, with a decent punt, you give the uh, Lions the ball back, say no further than their own thirty yard line, thirty thirty five yard line, and then you make them think, hey. You know, do we try to move the ball down the field and put and be aggressive and put the ball in the end zone, get a two point conversion, put the game away? Do we milk the clock and risk putting it back with fifty something seconds left and the Chiefs maybe have a time attitude to work with? Or do we, you know, and or what if they we move the ball down the field, we get inside, you know, field goal range, Kansas City's defense holds and they force us to kick a field goal to put us up to put us up four with an opportunity for Kansas City to get the ball back and possibly win the game. None of that enters Andy Reid's mind. Instead, fourth and twenty-five from our own thirty. Yeah, let's go for it. What? I mean, and earlier in the game, he had a fourth and two with the ball at Detroit, 17-yard line, he opts to kick a field goal. Uh, and then, of course, here's the genius of Matt Nagy. Second and one, you you, you thank the uh, Chiefs fans and, and Chiefs kingdom, uh, Miss Eric Bieniemy. I mean, th- this is this is peak Matt Nagy play calling if I've ever seen it. Second and one from Detroit's 20-yard line, let's run a jet sweep. 
Uh, and then, and then third and one when we had third and then and that was from Detroit's 20 yard line. And then later on in the game, third and one from your own 34 yard line with Blake Bell. At, he, first off, he screws up the snap because the nose tackle for Detroit jumped off sides. And rather than Blake Bell snapping it to, to, so they could get the referees to throw the, uh, to throw the neutral zone infraction of uh, flag or the offsides flag. He, he gives him a hard count. The Lions nose tackle jumps offside, but jumps back onside. And of course, offsides, anyone who knows football knows this, offsides neutral zone infraction is not a, well, neutral zone infraction is, but offsides is not a dead ball penalty. So if you jump offsides, as long as you're back onside before the ball is snapped, you're good. The idiot Bell decides, hey, I got him to jump offsides, but let me not snap the football. Then he snaps it and he a little uh, jet sweep to the right for a loss of three yards. I mean, that is just Andy Reid, Matt Nagy and Andy Reid up to to their uh, respective old tricks. Nagy back in his days of the Chicago Bears head coach and Andy Reid, you know, a little throwback Thursday action where he would go full Reid in these games, uh, whether it be the 18 championship game against the Patriots whether it be you know uh, the 2021 championship game against the Bengals in the second half, I could be here chapter and verse naming you the times he pulled this crap in the Alex Smith days with Kansas City in the playoffs. Of course, who can forget the wild card game against uh, Tennessee, uh, and then of course the uh, his multiple conference championship uh, game losses against the you know not against but with the Philadelphia Eagles back in the uh, decade of the 2000s. So I mean. Just awful, awful, awful. And Kansas City, man, they miss they miss Travis Kelsey. They miss Travis Kelsey big time. They miss him. Uh, again, these wide receivers. And it's funny. You know, everything that I said about Kansas City and their offense heading into last season, I was proven wrong. They won the Super Bowl. And then here it is, the first game. Everything I said roughly a year ago, is proven right. So as long as it was like everybody that, you know, critiques and said Kansas City, you know, they don't have any dudes outside of Kelsey on the offensive side of the ball. Letting go of of, uh, Ty, of Tyree Kill was a big no-no. They made a mistake. This, that, and the third. I got a funny feeling that, everything, that people's criticism of the Chiefs in letting Tyree Kill go I feel like that, that for whatever reason there may be a a, a a delayed, um, a, a a a delayed uh, outcome in terms of the um, in terms of that analysis that we weren't that because you know we weren't right last year because they won the Super Bowl, but if it keeps on going the way it's going, which I'm fifty fifty whether or not you know this will be a thing for Kansas City as season moves along. It's just one game; they got sixteen more remaining, but if it is. How about that for irony? Everyone's saying uh, they made a mistake. You know where you miss you miss uh, Tyree Kill. Well, we may be right. It it took us a year longer than we expected. But if thing, but if it repeats itself against Jacksonville, uh, and, and and hot, muggy, sweaty Jacksonville next Sunday afternoon against the Jags, 
and they and they and Kansas City loses, you know, uh, 31-17 or 31-20, and the, and the team and excuse me, and the Kansas City offense spins their wheels and hems and haws in four quarters, and Tony's dropping passes left the. I don't. Hey, you just who knows? Who knows? But um, listen. Uh, they miss Kelsey, and Kel- and it's getting to the point in Kelsey's career where he's not. That was the first game he's missed in about ten years, uh, and it goes to show you that hey, Kelsey's getting up there in age, my again. And every and every Chief fan, every football fan knows this. As great as Mahomes and Kelsey have been as a combination, Kelsey has been there, was there a good minute before Mahomes popped up and, and came onto the scene. So if I'm a Chiefs fan, I'm thinking, is this a sign of things to come? Because Mahomes, okay, Mahomes be here a long time. Young guy, 26, 27 years away, he'll be here a while. Kelsey, he'll be 34 next month, and soon thereafter, he'll be 35, 36 years of age. We gotta have, we gotta have a a game plan on who and how we're going to replace Travis Kelsey. Not that we want to because he's great and we love him, but tight ends in their mid to late 30s, you know, it's not a – you don't want that to be your foundational focal point of your offense. You don't. That that's what I mean. Look look at the for a perfect example. Look at the two thousand. I understand different game and Trent Dilfer surely is is not even in the same zip code as Patrick Mahomes. It's a quality quarterback, but they used Shannon Sharp, who was on the back end of his career, who was up there in his thirties at the time. They used him as a nice. They didn't. The offense didn't revolve around him. It revolved around Jamal Lewis running the football. Throwing the football to to uh, to Quadre Ismael and Brandon Stokely outside, and then if Shannon Sharp's open for a night for a nice uh, you know on on a on a good post route uh, or or a nice uh, or a nice uh, drag route across the middle or go route up up the uh, up the hash mark and and Dilfer finds him open because because the defense is set up for Shannon Sharp you know to ha- to ha- to pick up a, a healthy 17-yard game, then you, throw, then you throw it to the Hall of Famer Shannon Sharp. But the offense didn't revolve, and I use Sharp because, because you know, he is the contemporary with Kelsey in terms of one of the best players players within this generation to play the tight end position outside of, of course, Rob Gronkowski. So I look at that and I say, you know, the, that Ravens, up they, they, it didn't revolve around. He was an intricate and vital piece. I'm going to be wrong. But the offense didn't revolve around Shannon Sharp. The Kansas City Chiefs offense revolves around Travis Kelsey. And revolving your offense around a tight end that's in his 30s, mid-30s, albeit healthy with this one being his first significant injury that you've had to worry about. But you but in the back of your mind, you got to think, is this an omen of things to come? You hate to, you hate to say it. You th- hate to think things like that, but it's no coincidence. You know, he, he'll be 34 next month and not, and just now, you know, Kelsey with his, his you know, had, has had to sit out a game with a knee injury, not a concussion, not a, uh, you know, not, you know, a, a uh, some with his obliques, 
or uh, or or you know he uh, his uh, a broken finger his legs just something to chew on something to keep in mind and it's something else too you know if you're Kansas City they had an opportunity don't forget this they had an opportunity to sign DeAndre Hopkins in the off season. Hopkins was uh, the Chiefs one of the teams Hopkins was interested in coming to, and Hopkins wanted to be in Kansas City, and Kansas City blew him off. So keep that in the back of your mind too. And he also had a chance, and I and it's funny and I write because I saw this earlier this morning. You know, Kansas City picked had the pick had the pick before Cincinnati in the second round of the 2020 draft. They had a pick before Cincinnati did. Cincinnati picked, I believe Cincinnati picked 33rd in the second round. No, they picked, uh, they, yeah, I think they had picked number 30, 33, and Kansas City had picked 32, if I'm not mistaken. Anyway, however the order went in the second round of the uh, 2020 draft. The point is, Kansas City had a had a had a had a draft select had a had they were on the clock before the Bengals were in the second round of the draft. You know who was still on the table at the time? Uh, at the time, Kansas City had was on the clock in the second round. You know who's still on the table? T. Higgins. That's right. We get on the Packers all the time. You know they they chose not to draft T. Higgins instead they drafted Jordan Love. Well, and in fairness, we haven't said that about Kansas City because of Mahomes' greatness and Kelsey's greatness, and they've been to two Super Bowls and won one since that 2020 NFL draft. But has Clyde Edwards-Alaire been a big-time elite running back in the National Football League? They drafted Sky Moore for it. Has he been a you know? Has he been a Derrick Henry, a Jonathan? Uh, a, a Jonathan Taylor, a Tony Pollard, a DeAndre Swift, Miles. Has he been among the game's elite running backs? That's who That's who Kansas City picked. They picked CEH and the Bengals, the following pick, drafted Higgins. And by the looks of the Chiefs offense last night, they could have used T. Higgins in the game instead of Kadarius Tony dropping passes that that. JV high school wide receivers would have caught. So that's an interesting nugget as we put uh, as we put that game uh, as we put that game to bed. Baltimore Orioles. Uh, as we switch over to the baseball, uh, right quick. Um, you take a look at them and the phenomenal road trip that they had. Uh, do you know, ladies and gentlemen, well, let me give you a couple of stats, uh, for Kansas City right quick before we, uh, jump to the football. Uh, do you, did you know that, um, that, uh, prior to Brian Branch's pick six, Patrick Mahomes had thrown 20 touchdowns without an interception in season openers, the longest streak in NFL history. Did you guys know that? True story. Yes, doggy, it is a true story. 20 touchdown passes without an interception in season openers. Absolutely ridiculous stat. Uh, another one that I saw the other night, which was very interesting. 
The Lions recorded their first win against the defending champion since the 1990 against the defending Super Bowl champion since 1997. Detroit becomes the fourth team to win at Arrowhead after trailing entering the fourth quarter against Patrick Mahomes, including the playoffs. Obviously, you know the Cincinnati Bengals being one of those uh, being one of those uh, four teams, but. Anyway, you get the idea, and I digress. Is there another stat I want to give you guys? No, that's it. No, that was the only one. Uh, meanwhile, with the Baltimore Orioles, as they come uh, back to the Eastern time zone, uh, uh, finally, uh, the West Coast road trips uh, for the West Coast road trips for the teams on the East Coast lateness, they're tough to take. I understand everyone is in love, and there are positive things about the balanced schedule that you like. But the thing that, that drives me nuts is the extra West Coast trips. I mean, I, I'm all I'm at the point where, and if they're not going to tweak it, fine. Here would be my request for the league office: Put, have all the or have the Orioles. Uh, play the west coast portion of the schedule have them play it in from may through july if that means that i got it's may through july if they gotta have it let them go to san francisco uh san francisco oakland seattle uh la and slash anaheim arizona let them go to all of those locations in between May and July. That's it. April, you don't want to put them, I can live with that. But from August on, the Orioles got to be playing all of their games east of the Mississippi River. Not, not, not for, not for east of Mississippi River from August 1st onward. The Orioles got to be playing their games in the central time zone, the eastern time zone, because staying up till a quarter to one, in some cases after one o'clock in the morning on Tuesday night's case, you know, watching Orioles, I understand first play. It has nothing to do about the Orioles in general, but. And when I'm trying to get into the swing of things and I got to be up and raring to go and, and and alert and up and at them every on a day and day basis because I'm back in school, I can't. And listen, I do it because I love the team. And, you know, and, and I've I will I'll be on my deathbed and I'll sacrifice sleep. You know, if that means I got to watch the Orioles play a game on the West Coast, but still. Uh, it gets old, you know. Can we play the games in Anaheim, in in Arizona, in Seattle? Can we play them earlier in the season, please? Especially because they they have to make multiple trips because they gotta play a combination. Uh, well, the AL West teams gotta go out there regardless. But and then on top of that, you got you know whatever concoction of teams that gotta play out in the National League West this year. It's the Padre. It was the Padres. Uh, the uh, Giants and the uh, and the Arizona Diamondbacks. So you know, next year it's going to be, you know, Mountain Time in the uh, Mountain Time. So you got Colorado next year, most likely, I think. And then you and then I believe they also go to Dodger Stadium next season. So it's just uh, get it in all one whole swoop. My philosophy is let them go, let them be out west for two and a half, three weeks. If the, if the, that means the Orioles have to, you know, two and a half, three weeks playing games at ten o'clock at night, but they get it out the way in June or in early July, you know what? I'll live. I'll live. Here's what I, here's what I want baseball to do. Okay, from next time they next time they go, they play. 
San Diego and Arizona, and and in those two cities on the same thing. Here's what I want: have them go to have them go to Arizona, and then go Sandy, go Arizona, San Diego, and Anaheim. Okay, so you have that that Southwest road trip. You wrap it up into one. Then when they go to and then San Francisco, Oakland, and Seattle wrapped up in wrapped up into one. And then next time they go, either go to Kansas City or St. Louis. Have them have the their trip to the Rocky Mountains wrapped up in wrapped up uh, during that road trip. But anyway, I digress. But they come off for a West Coast trip. Uh, as they head back, well, not trip, but they come off the West Coast to come back East. And, man, my Baltimore Orioles, um, let me tell you something right now, Jack. Uh, what a sensational job. They found a way to win on a Saturday night, 7-3. Rutschman and the crew hitting the ball out the ballpark left and right. They got an absolutely uh, sensational start from uh, – from Kyle Bradish on a Saturday night last uh, Mullins three run home run as well on Saturday night they got a sensational start from Kyle Bradish six innings of four hit two run six strikeout baseball uh, as he improves on the season with a uh, with a uh, ten and six record he's set up the pitch here tonight uh, against Boston and they have and then again to a little bit of a tizzy on uh, sat on excuse me Sunday afternoon because. Uh, because Jack Flaherty is a complete and utter more a complete and utter embarrassment of a pitcher. Four and two thirds, six hits, four runs, and a walk, two home runs given up. And the Orioles say, "Okay, you know what? No problem. We'll win this game with our bats." And they completely took over the took over the game the other night with a two two tie heading into the uh, with a two two no excuse me with a up four uh, two. Uh, Arizona was on them heading into the top of the sixth inning. Their offense explodes with four runs in the top of the sixth. That's all they wrote. One eight five. They come into Anaheim. I screamed. It's a. It was a complete joke uh, that they that they had a West Coast game on Labor Day, no less. West Coast game at nine thirty at night, and then getaway day on Wednesday. You know where they essentially have only one day to get used to the Eastern time zone coming off of the jet lag and the red eye. They get the one day in Boston and then that's it. That should have been a four o'clock, four thirty game. What's I don't know what is the angels call it at baseball, a complete and utter joke. The, the, the complete debauchery of the schedule times for game one and game three of that series was an utter joke and a disgrace. But Monday night, they took care of business. Grayson Rodriguez, Gunnar Henderson, of course, with the three-run home run in the top of the seventh inning that put the game out of reach. Grayson Rodriguez, you can't say enough great things about him since he's been back. Six innings of, of two hit, uh, excuse me, two run, excuse me. Uh, seven strikeout baseball. They give up seven hits. Got knocked around a little bit and walked two batters, but he kept the he kept the uh, he kept the uh, Angels' offense at bay. Struck out seven. A sensational job by him. Uh, and then Tuesday night, what a game that was Tuesday night. The Orioles should have lost that game about two two three times. They gave up two in two in the bottom of the seventh. Uh, two in the, they gave up two in the seventh, one in the eighth. 
and uh, one in the ninth, and they kept the Angels around, but the Orioles scoring a run to uh, tie the game and then take the lead in the top of the ninth inning, and then with an RBI uh, ground out at the top of the tenth, the Orioles, man, they just don't die. And that was a game, in the, and not a great pitch, well-pitched game by Dean Crane by any aspects. Got uh, only gave up uh, the four hits, but they but hit the fifth inning snowballed. He, he walked three. Uh, gave up four hits, struggled to get out the fifth inning, went four and two-thirds. Uh, but that was a game on a Tuesday night. Me, as an Oriole fan, sat back and said, if Felix Bautista was healthy and would have pitched and would have gotten that ninth inning, we would have won the game th- right then and there at that moment in time. He didn't, of course, because Bautista's still on the shelf with the elbow problem. Uh, but And that was a game that, as an, you know, that I was – I had it in my mind and that and made peace with the fact, okay, it's going to be one of those games where where we don't win, you know, because the bullpen can't hold a lead and uh, and one of those games where where no Batista, it rises, it, it, you know, it, it rears its ugly head. So, I mean, it is what it is. So, so I made peace with that. And then, of course, the Euros offense says, you know what, to hell with that. We're taking this game by the horns. We'll be damned if we're, win- if we're losing this game uh, with the leads that we've had. And as well as we played to this inferior Angel squad, we're not losing. And they went out there and they took the game uh, by the horns with a tremendous offensive effort in the game. The Orioles, uh, five runs on 13 hits. They, as a team, uh, went five for fifteen with runners in scoring position, uh, and did an absolutely sensational job. Ryan Mountcastle went three for five with an RBI on Tuesday night. Uh, Aaron Hicks, nice contribution offensively for as well as the Orioles scratched and clawed and found a way to take the uh, series over the Angels with a five four victory Tuesday night. Then Wednesday night they just beat the hell out of them, beat the brakes off of them. Uh, Anthony Santander. Uh, and Austin Hayes going back-to-back, going deep uh, late in the game on Wednesday night. Uh, a very solid pitching performance. Uh, so, and, and solid. Five innings, seven hits, a four-run uh, baseball. Four, the walks with get with uh, – or excuse me, that's Sandoval's stats. What am I talking about? I'm looking at the Angels box score. Uh, Kyle Gibson, solid night for him. Six innings of six hit, three-run, uh, three-strikeout baseball. Did walk two batters, gave up a home run. Uh, which you don't like, but I mean, he kept the Orioles in the game. He he kept the uh, Angels' offensive attack at a minimum. So you know, not one of Gibson's best starts of the night, but or best starts of the season, I should say. But he but he did his best to keep the Orioles in the game, and he and he did not allow uh, the uh, rough uh, inning that he had. Uh, and that in a rough uh, bottom of the third inning that he had, he did not allow it to snowball out of control. So you give Gibson credit for that. But it, again, a game primarily won by the Orioles' offense: four in the third, four in the third inning, two in the sixth, and three in the eighth. Ten hits on twelve runs. The Orioles six to seventeen with runs in scoring position. Aaron Hicks had a two had a two out RBI, of course, and of course uh, Santander and Hayes going uh, back to back in the uh, eighth inning off of uh, Berea as a team with an off day yesterday, head into Boston for a three-game weekend series against the Red Sox where they come home for three against the Cardinals and four against the Rays next weekend. 
Orioles with an opportunity. This is their fine. They have not been. The, it's just goes to show you with also with the balanced schedule of how of how the trips in and out of the uh, division opponents, how they are a few and far in between. And depending on how the schedule goes, how infrequent of, uh, you know, of trips. They, think about this for a second. Here it is. It's week one of the brand new football season. The last time the Orioles and Red Sox played each other in Fenway was Final Four weekend of the NC uh, of the basketball NCAA tournament. Think about that. Prior to this weekend, the last time the Orioles were in town to play the Red Sox, it was final. We we hadn't even had the draft yet in the NFL, and it was Final Four weekend in college ba- for the women's and men's college basketball seasons. Ain't that something? The last time they were in the Fenway, it was Final Four weekend, and here it is. It's, it's the first. It's the second in in some teams' cases, third weekend of the college football regular season, and the opening weekend of the NFL uh, regular season, and the and the and the Orioles are in are are just you know have and being or excuse me, and the Orioles are just having or excuse me just commencing their uh, there's the word just commencing their uh, second uh, series in Fenway against the division rival Boston Red Sox, which is hard, which is hard to believe. And in general, the last time the Orioles played the Red Sox, just in general, uh, you go back in terms of the season, you have to go all the way back to, I believe you have to go back all the way to the month of May, if I'm not mistaken. Uh, no. Matter of fact, you have to go all the way back to April when the Orioles and Red Sox last played. You so you have to go all the way back, and they and the Orioles host the Red Sox the final weekend of the regular season. You have to go back to uh, the opening week, the week, the first weekend of the, the uh, of the month of April to go to the last time they played in Fenway. You have to go all the way back to the week of, or excuse me, the Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday of April 24th to the 26th when the last time the Orioles and Red Sox got together, uh, which is also remarkable when you think about it too. But they got three for the Red Sox this weekend. The Red Sox have been an up-and-down, inconsistent team. Their pitching stinks. Uh, they are a, they are a slightly above 500 baseball team because they have a uh, offense that, when your starting pitch is not on the A game, as the Orioles learned the opening series of the uh, of the season back in the springtime, when your starting pitching and your bullpen is not on the A game, they can take you to task. Uh, so the Red Sox with a seventy two and sixty eight record, they're not going to see the postseason. If you care, uh, I can tell you uh, their um, I can tell you their uh, where they stand in terms of the wild card standings. The Boston Red Sox, uh, with four games over five hundred, currently are five games back of Toronto for the sixth seed in the third and final wildcard spot. So if they want any chance of playing past October the first, they need this series in the worst way. The Orioles' magic number to uh, clinch a uh, to clinch the uh, to clinch the division title is at nineteen. The Rays have lost some games over the last couple of days that has put them further and further behind Baltimore for uh, claiming or excuse me reclaiming the American League East first place lead. The Orioles' magic number for clinching the playoffs, I believe, is at 
10. If it isn't at 10, it's at 9. It's either 9 or 10 between those two. Uh, and so the Orioles, and I saw a tweet the other day that the Orioles are put, have put themselves in a position where they could clinch a playoff spot as soon as their game Tuesday night against the uh, against the uh, St. Louis uh, against the St. Louis Cardinals coming up early next week. But now, in order of business, I want to uh, address is that uh, Joe Burrow, the uh, star quarterback for my Cincinnati Bengals. He is now the highest-paid player in the National Football League right now and in its 104-year history. With the news being announced on uh, during the game, <laughs> Kansas City's opening drive, no less of the game last night, five-year, uh, $275 million contract extension, $219.01 million of it guaranteed, making him the highest-paid player in NFL in NFL history and certainly the highest paid player in uh, the history of the Cincinnati Bengals uh, franchise. Uh, and he took the, uh, he took the uh, hometown discount uh, in terms of uh, his base salary for this year. Uh, he's, it's 50, you do the math during the five years, that's $55 million a year. He will be a free agent at the end of the 2030 season. He's getting paid only a million point, a million dot, a million and 10, uh, 1.010000 dollars. That's, uh, uh, that's a little more than a million, uh, dollars, uh, this season, uh, his base salary, uh, signing bonus of 5.9 miles will round it up to $6 million. That's how much Burrow's making in this 2023 uh, season. So he got paid, which, listen, and it was not an item of conversation on this show because I was not uh, scared or nervous or petrified or apprehensive of it happening. You know Joe Burrow. You know the, how more, how much and how important Joe Burrow is to the Cincinnati Bengals franchise and organization. You'd be a, a complete and utter idiot, jackass, and a fool, a fool to think that he was not going to get signed and get extended by the Bengals franchise. He is, I, like I said on my Instagram post about a week or so, two ago, Cincinnati Bengals, Joe Burrow is the Cincinnati Bengals. He, he is the Cincinnati. The franchise, this franchise would be nothing. Now, you could make similar arguments about certain other teams with their friends. The Bengals would be nothing. Nothing without Joe Burrow and you know as as their starting quarterback and and it'd be a completely different football team, completely different football team, could be a completely different franchise and organization had not uh, Joseph Lee Burrow be the uh, QB one and ha had not he not has not been the quarterback number one for the Bengals since uh, he got drafted in late uh, April of 2020. It's been a completely different organization since. Uh, who can forget of the ten and seven record? The ten and seven record is first full season in the league. Back to back division titles, back to back AFC Championship game appearances, and AFC Championship and Super Bowl appearance in that magical 2021 season. Uh, of course, the relevancy and a topic of conversation amongst you know all sports talk, uh, television and radio and social media on Twitter and Instagram and TikTok and the nationally televised games, you know, 425 on CBS and the and the and the plethora of primetime games on Thursday night and Monday night and Sunday night games. Franchise has been bet has 
the best the Bengals franchise has ever been with Joe Burrow being the starting quarterback now. Uh, that compared to when he compared to when he was uh, in college and in high school and so on and so forth. So signing him was a no brainer. It was a matter of when they were going to sign him, not if. Uh, and Joe Burrow gave the quotes. I read his quotes uh, during his uh, post game, or excuse me, his uh, Wednesday afternoon press conference. Saying this is the place I want to be. Saying among other things, this is the place I want to be for the uh, for the rest of my NFL career. I love it here. It's going to get done. It's it's not a, a, a distraction or it's not an item of concern for me right now. My goal is being healthy, which he said he was. Zach Taylor said he was. He's raring to go. It's a matter of that and him performing his best and putting together. A best ever in the offensive game plan being uh being you know on his p's and q's and not replicating a, the horrendous garbage that i saw from the team week one last year when they hosted pittsburgh uh in the jungle in that crazy game week one last year and it's about beating cleveland and cleveland for a change beating cleveland starting the season one and oh and getting to vegas and getting back to the afc championship game hosting the afc championship game getting to the Super Bowl and Lord willing uh, and with their uh, good work and hard work, them, uh, the Cincinnati Bengals winning it. So bro, get paid. Congratulations to him uh, and the members of his, uh, of his close circle that are, that certainly feel like they're the ones that got the big time contract certainly deserves it. Hands down, Joe Burrow, second best quarterback in the National Football League, and the best quarterback in the National Football League, not named Patrick Mahomes, deserves every single penny. There's not much more you want me to say about that. Uh, there is rumblings that I saw, uh, and I saw it, and I came across it about an hour or so before I uh, hit the record button to record this show. That um, that uh, T Higgins, his future as a Bengal after this season uh, is in limbo. Uh, a, a source telling of this uh, beat writer, beat uh, reporter for the Cincinnati Inquirer, uh, Kelsey Conway, uh, telling her, source telling her that Higgins is not uh, believed to be in the, in the Bengals future plans because they are, they never got, because they reportedly never got close on a contract extension unless shocking something shocking happens in the next 24 hours he'll play this season with the Bengals uh with uh, no long-term deal uh so listen um uh, so i mean and he and david malugna hedda whatever his name is who was apparently the agent for uh, jesse bates the third um, I don't know. Some people are saying that it's not accurate, that it's, uh, that, uh, that it's not accurate, that it's, um, uh, that, you know, that, that's a little overblown. We'll see. Uh, you know, it's, it's a, he said, she said thing, which is something that I don't want to hear and don't want to read. And T Higgins how to answer uh, questions uh, after practice in front of his locker to the media, you know, uh, 48 hours before the first game of the season. And I got to hear questions about T Higgins, his future and contracts and money and all this other garbage. So I prefer not to hear that. I would have liked, you know, the borough contract, celebrate him. Okay, now it's on to Cleveland and to the Super Bowl we go. But, you know, it is what it is. Tobin uh, pounded, pounded his chest and pounded the podium. 
uh, hard at the combine back in early March saying, listen, T. Higgins is our guy. If you want T, you're going to have to wait your turn in free agency. Or if you want to star elite number one wide receiver, don't bother checking here. Go find your own. So he wants him here. Uh, Mike Brown said that he uh, said that he wants T. Higgins here. You know Burrow wants him here. Boyd and the crew, you know, uh, Boyd on in, on his Instagram story taped a little clip of Higgins' uh, after practice uh, uh, media session uh, in front of his locker and said, you know, pay T, you know, pay T Higgins. So it comes down to whether or not it, it comes down to a few if uh, if Higgins if Higgins the team the, his employer and his coworkers want him here. The fans want him here. You know, I saw the video also that circled around social media of he had a meet and greet at a local Verizon store in Cincinnati. And there was a line going up the door. I didn't get a chance to uh, meet, greet and take a picture with uh, with T and the and the hour, hour and a half, whatever time constraint for the session had ended. And uh, and it was it. So T. Haynes uh, walks out the door. Sees that there's still a lot of people that were waiting to meet him. He was like, "Oh, you guys here to meet me?" And everyone's like, "Oh yeah." So Higgins, like, "All right, you know, let's go." He goes back inside and he keeps the train moving, wanting to take a picture and uh, talk. And de- so the the fan base loves him. He's a community guy, great guy off the field. Makes time for every you know, no matter how how age. What, however old you are, if you're a, if you're you know five, fifteen, or twenty five years old, he makes time, signs the autographs, takes photos. So there's the issue is with me is whether or not T Higgins wants to be Cincinnati Bengal in terms of he thinks that it'll help his pocketbook and it'll help his career. That's what it comes down to. If he wants to be here, it's uh, it's in his court. I think that he still does. Uh, I think this is the agent being being a being an annoying, uh, narcissistic, conniving, disruptive uh, asshole. For, excuse my French, and to be a pain in the and uh, being a pain in the Bengals' uh, sides and making life life difficult for uh, Tobin and the Bengals organization. But I think that the uh, but I think T Higgins. Uh, that something I'd be shocked if it something gets done uh, prior to Sunday's game, but uh, but I think between now and uh, and when T Higgins hits the free agency market, that something will get done, uh, and that T Higgins will be a bangle uh, for the foreseeable future because him, Boyd, and uh, and uh, Chase. Are, are joined at the hip. They are thick as thieves, and and this is a a a, a tight and uh, and close brotherhood of a locker room. And I I understand that he wants his money, and that there are opportunities for T. Higgins to get the number one wide receiver money and attention uh, that he is not going to have because Jamar Chase is on the team. But if he, but I figure, and nothing. To me, the way I see it, convinced says anything to prove me otherwise. That Higgins, he loves Cincinnati, loves playing for the team, loves his teammates, and loves the fact that he has a chance to win a Super Bowl every every single year. So, I don't know. We'll see.
uh, you know, I'd hate to. It wouldn't shock me if he, if you know, if his, uh, if the, uh, if his Cincinnati uh, days are numbered, you know, and uh, within a not too within the next uh, season or two, and that w- it's a shame, but it's a salary cap driven league. It doesn't shock me, uh, and you know, Chase is going to be wherever Burrow's going to be. So, and the whole, you know. Uh, conversation has circled around T Higgins because everybody knows, listen, uh, Jamar and Burrow are like Gronk and Brady. They're joined at the hip, wherever the quarterback goes, the receiver goes and vice versa. So listen, we'll see. I, all I care about is C Higgins having a damn good season and showing up on, on Sunday. That's all I care. So even if God forbid, knock on wood, his Cincinnati days are soon to be numbered. All I care about is is how he does this season. If he if he balls out this season and helps us win a Super Bowl, I would suck seeing leave. But you know what? He was with the team for the amount of time he was with us. He played well. He wasn't a disappointment. He was a great player. He helped get us to a Super Bowl, win us an AFC championship, and Lord willing, wins us a Super Bowl, gets us back and wins us one. I got no malice or or ill will towards Higgins. My thing is, is that I want here, I want to, I want to hear it from the horse's mouth. The horse's mouth being Higgins. I want to be and I want to be a Cincinnati Bengal. I don't care how get it done. I want to be here for like what Burrow said in the press conference. On, that's what I want to hear. That's it. Now he doesn't have to say it right now. You know, that's uh, the balls in his court when it comes to him saying that, but that's what I want to hear. I don't want to hear, you know, gymnastics with, with sources and with sources, with reporters and the agent, you know, thinking that he speak, he represents the player. He doesn't speak for the player. He represents him. So the agent may want the, his client to go elsewhere because he sees a bigger payday for him because team, because, you know, if a team is giving T Higgins, you know, uh, is, is paying T Higgins, you know, five or $10 million more than the Bengals are paying him, but it's better, but T sees it's better for him to be in Cincinnati than playing for, you know the Chicago Bears. The agent is gonna is gonna you know play uh, puppet master and trying to move he- and try to uh, move heaven and earth to make sure uh, that he gets the bigger payday. And if the bigger payday is is that he leaves the team of the fan base and his players that love him, the agent could care less. What the hell does the agent care about? The he doesn't care about the Cincinnati Bengals. He care about his own pockets. He cares about him getting paid. That's all he cares about. So if he can get T. Higgins to get, you know, five to fifteen million dollars more, you know, playing for the Atlanta Falcons, he'll move heaven and earth to make sure that T that T. Higgins is an Atlanta Falcon. But if T. Higgins wants to wants to stay in Cincinnati, that's Higgins' choice, not the agent. And if the agent doesn't like it, tough. You know, he, he, he's supposed to represent the players, not speak for them and live. And, and live and, and earn his paychecks vicariously through through the players that he represents. If the player wants to be, loves playing in Cincinnati. He stay, he if he wants to stay in Cincinnati, you better make sure you do what you can to get him to stay in Cincinnati, or he'll find a new agent. So I mean, how similar similar set of circumstances with Jesse Bates? Now Bates got his first. A big contract from Cincinnati, but when the second con- it came time for him to get the second, okay, again, 
if he thinks he's going to get a bigger payday because Jesse Bates is going to, you know, sign for 10, 15 million, 20 million dollars more playing for the Atlanta Falcons in that god awful NFC South uh, compared to, you know, where he's making, you know, 13 to 10, 7 million dollars less if playing for a contender Cincinnati. The, I guess the way that this agent thinks and the way he operates in his selfish conniving thinking, he's going to want Bates to play in to play in Atlanta. If it means a bigger paycheck for him, and if and if that means that that you know by Thanksgiving, you know Bates Bates Bates's Falcons have nothing to play for, and they're playing in front of a half-empty uh, Mercedes-Benz uh, stadium against the uh, against the hapless uh, Houston Texans, and you know what? It is what it is. So that was my two cents on that. Now, speaking of the Bengals, uh, uh, we got uh, things to tap into with their game against Cleveland. Um, as I try to, uh, we got some people uh, lined. We got one person lined up uh, waiting to talk to me. We'll see uh, who it is. Uh, I'm trying to get the second person who is uh, scheduled uh, to talk. Uh, to see what his uh, deal is, and we have not. Uh, he, he does not look like he is waiting uh, in the uh, in the uh, on hold. Uh, and no, it's not Mike and the OC, but waiting on hold uh, for uh, to have a conversation. Uh, but, sh- but we shall pass the time until then. Uh, week one, of course, uh, the Bengals and the Cleveland Brownies. Uh, this is a must-win game for both teams. For uh, for different for similar yet different reasons, it's a must-win game with the Cleveland first. Must-win game for Cleveland because Deshaun Watson, normal off-season, nobody's talking about him. Uh, you know he had that no he had that November December to shake the rust off. So there's no more excuses now. Normal training can't. It's it's all bets are off with Deshaun Watson. Like like uh, like uh, Steve, aka Urinating Tree, told us early in the week is make or break for for the Cleveland Browns because of, because if if their season goes to hell, they are going to have hell to pay in the off seasons. Uh, beginning with a one in 23, 24 down the road where they're going to have hell to pay, not just with the level of scrutiny and criticism, but also in terms of cap hell and the way that their team uh, stacks up on the, uh, on the roster in terms of the books, with the, where the rock, where the buildup of the roster stands. So, Put up a shut up time for Cleveland. This is a they got home opener against a team that, albeit you know, is is one of is the cre- cream of the crop of uh, in all of football and cream of the crop of the AFC. But the Browns had a leg up because it's a team that they have been accustomed to beating ever since Joe Burrow has came into the league in 2020. Uh, they've beaten uh, the Joe Burrow Cincinnati Bengals, like I mentioned on the Wednesday night tailgate earlier this week. They've beaten the Cleveland Browns exactly one time. One time in his NFL career, one time they've beaten him once, or excuse me, one time is the only time that the Bengals have beaten Cleveland, and that was last December, uh, and that was uh, and that was last December, week 13, 14, whatever week it was. One time, they've never beat a week two. This Joe Burrow's second game as a pro on that Thursday night, uh, Miles Garrett made life a living hell for him. And then of course he got it. And then of course he got uh he got uh and of course they also lost in November in early November 
2020 in Cincinnati uh, about a you know a, a month or two two months later uh, in that 2020 season Burrow's rookie year 2021 they lost and got blown out in that game against uh, in that game against Cleveland and Cincinnati in early November they got blown out bro through the pick six award uh, and it was just a complete and utter just dumpster fire of a performance for Burrow and the Bengals that game. And then, of course, the second game, they played them week 18, but they had clinched the division a week before against uh, against Kansas City, and the game didn't mean since any loss, but the game didn't mean anything. And then last season, they play them, uh, on, uh, they play them on Monday Night Football Halloween night, and the Bengals get blown out the building uh, and, and were sitting and looking at themselves dead in the mirror through the first two months of the season with a four and four record and the in the team's uh season uh essentially hanging in the balance so and then of course they beat them in the aforementioned game last december so Bengals or excuse me cleveland no excuses you know you've beaten you've beaten uh, cincinnati all these other times what stopped you from doing it again uh week one normal offseason uh, you know, they've had some injury. The injury report has looked rather spotty throughout this week. But uh, you got Miles Garrett there who has made life, again, a living hell for Bro since he's, since he's uh, came onto the scene in the league. And you understand you got a Jawan Thornhill who was a questionable and did not practice with a calf injury. Uh, Denzel Ward uh, what, uh, did practice today. So it looks like he'll be a go with the battle between him and Jamar Chase. Go up, that, go up and punch Cincinnati in the mouth. No, I don't want, objectively speaking, punch Cincinnati in the mouth and say, hey, you know, I hear all this talk about the Bengals with the Ravens and even to a certain degree the Pittsburgh Steelers. We're, we're still a team to be reckoned with in the AFC North too. So I, and I expect, uh, and I'd be shocked. Now I'm interesting to see, interest, interested to see how Deshaun Watson will attack the Bengals' uh, young secondary, of course, the t- two brand-new starting safeties and replacement of the uh, of Von Bell and uh, Jesse Bates. But uh, it be interesting to see how Deshaun Watson, and with the deep ball, attacks uh, the safeties, and not just with the deep ball, but in general in the passing game, how he attacks the two young safeties for Cincinnati. But uh, Miles Garrett, you're, you've been on bro like white on rice in previous matchups. I understand new revamped offensive line, but what what's to what's up? What's stopping you from uh, from doing it again? So if this is the game that Cleveland needs uh, as a and not only for a up to, to possibly win a division, but a game that they need uh, for uh, them to make a statement to the rest of the league. Hey, we're we're a team to be reckoned with within the North too. And then of course with the Bengals, they haven't like I said, they haven't beaten Cleveland in Cleveland of Joe Burrow era. Uh, no better way uh, to begin the 2023 campaign. Uh, and you saw, you know, what the 4-4 four and four after the Cleveland game and then the 0-2 start last September and how they essentially, you know, ran out of gas and had the press winning the winning 10 games in a row through the postseason where they, where they had essentially no margin for error, uh, you know. Me, the way I want it, and again, the standard for this team is getting back to the AFC Championship game, winning the AFC Championship game, and winning, getting back to and winning the Super Bowl. The best way they can do it is getting home field advantage and number one seed. Like, yes, they're, uh, the division's tough. You know, every team within that division from top to bottom is going to play them hard and is going to make life for them a living hell. 
But compared this year's schedule to last year's schedule, it pales in comparison. This year's schedule for the Bengals' child's play is a walk in the park compared to how hard their schedule was last year. And the Bengals are, are you know, if they buckle down and don't waste time and don't throw games away, buckling down and getting down to business and getting these ease and getting these uh, wins on the front end of the season, there's no reason why they can't get the number one seed. And the best way they can do it is, like I said, when I broke down the schedule uh, a couple of episodes ago, the way that the Bengals' schedule shapes up, there's no excuse why they should not go should not be undefeated. Uh, heading into the uh, heading into the uh, San Francisco game on October the 29th, they got the they got the Browns, the bank, the Browns and the Ravens, two divisional opponents, but they got also the Rams, the Titans, the Cardinals, and the Seahawks at home. No excuse why. And in a week seven by week eight, they should they should they should be six and zero. Case closed, and and you look at all the years why Kansas City, even with years where Kansas City doesn't look like Kansas City a la last year, well, how do you end up with number one seed? Well, look at how they begin the season. In, se- in September and early October, the Chiefs don't waste time. They see teams that, albeit they may give them, you know, they may get, they may, they may give Kansas City a hard team, a hard time a la the Chargers, but they don't waste any time. Divisional opponent, okay, it's who cares? Find a way to win. So when Kansas City does have those off off days or and turn and they turn into a little two game skill whatever or they you know lose two and three or lose three out of three in a four game period in in November December they have the wiggle room to do it because of how well they started off the season in September and October. So they so they got so they have to they they, ha- they have to start the season out on the right foot. And and they can ill afford with the division being an improvement, not a not a not taking a step back, but improving from this year to from from last year to this year. They have to take care of business and beat Cleveland. And a similar thing, like I mentioned with uh, with the Jets and relating it to New England for a psychological standpoint, they got to go out there and beat Cleveland in Cleveland this weekend. So I think it's going to be a low scoring game. Uh, you know, battle of the defenses, Ward and trenches. Who's who? What team's gonna gonna do a better job of running the football compared to the latter? Uh, Joe Mixon's got to have bounce back season too. You know, with with the off him being in the news during the off season and substandard season he had last year, outside of two three games where he showed up, bounce back season for him too. Got to be able to run the football, and the team in general's got to be able to run the football, have that healthy balance. Because again. I can't stand it with the court, even as great as Burrow is. Can't stand it when he's when you when you're forced to have him drop back the pass, thirty five to forty five times a game. That's a, especially against the elite pass rush such, such as uh, like Cleveland has. It's a recipe for disaster and failure, and and uh, and and for and putting Joe Burrow in a promising way for him to get hit, which I don't like. But anyway, Bengals and Browns game number one. Game number two, 49ers and uh, 49ers and Steelers. Uh, interesting game. Bosa signed. They. It's funny. I just as soon as I clicked the stop record and upload button for the show I did earlier in the week, all of a sudden news breaks. Oh, yeah, uh, the Nick Bosa holdout is over. They reached the contract agreement. So he is there. 
Uh, be interesting to see uh, how rusty he is with him not being uh, him not being a, a you know a, a, a intricate part of the training camp uh, and uh, within part of the uh, training camp activities for San Francisco in the month of August. So we'll see uh, where he stands in terms of his conditioning and the and the type of shape he in uh, shape he's in against the uh, Steelers offensive line, which did get better throughout this offseason. Kenny Pickett, it's time to see if he's ready to, to take that next step and go up to the next, next level and elevate his game. You know George Pickett is going to have a very good season. The uh, elite wide receiver that uh, that he uh, proved with his stats and his numbers, uh, or excuse me, with his stats and with just passing the eye test last year for Pittsburgh. Fry Muth, of course, the tight end. Najee Harris, one of the best running young running backs in the game and all of football. Uh, so the 49ers defense do not take the Steelers offense lightly and do not take them uh, for granted. Brock Purdy, you know, after seven games, is he, will he continue to prove that he's the real deal or remains to be seen as well? And how is that elbow, of course, with the uh, elbow injury that he sustained in a championship game against Philadelphia uh, eight months ago? Be interesting to uh, check and uh, check and see where he stands in terms of his health and his uh, productivity uh, as well. That's another low-scoring game with two very, very good defense, of course. T.J. Watt uh, among uh, the elite uh, pass rushers on both sides. And then, of course, with uh, Highsmith, Alex Highsmith, of course, the elite linebacker for Pittsburgh, and them signing uh, Patrick Peterson, looking forward to his uh, Pittsburgh Steelers debut as well. I anticipate a low-scoring game for that one uh, as well. Now, we uh, are beginning to uh, do a little bit something different with today being, of course, the five-year anniversary, if you can believe that, the five-year anniversary of the first-ever episode of the Yamatelikatelius podcast. We're on a Sunday afternoon prior, week one prior to the beginning of the 2018 football season, I looked at my Blue Yeti uh, microphone that was sitting on my desk that my parents had given me for Christmas uh, the uh, the winter prior, and I said, you know what? I got a lot on my mind, stuff to say, a football season's upon us. Let me crack this thing open and see if I can uh, and see, you know, where this microphone and where this show takes me, if it gains any traction. And for no, for random nobody, you know, from uh, good old 410 Baltimore, Maryland, you know, I, I, I kind of have built a, a, a minute, minute. And small fan base, but it's a fan base nevertheless. Five years to the day, the first episode of the Yamatella Catelia's podcast. So with it being the sixth, fifth, the five-year anniversary, sixth football season that we will be on top of here as a program, why not do a little bit of something different and bring in a caller aspect like you hear on live sports talk radio? Why not bring in the caller aspect uh, to the program? Uh, as we are set to kick off and debut another football season here on the podcast, we have not had him on in a uh, we have not had him on in a long time, uh, and he is a Dallas Cowboy fan uh, extraordinaire, and he drives me crazy with his Cowboy picks and his Cowboy takes and his Cowboys predictions. Uh, he is a best friend of my uh, younger brother Ian, who uh, is getting ready for Ram Seahawks. Uh, this weekend, in between flipping burgers at a McDonald's com- <laughs> coming up, but uh, friend of the program and a good friend of mine who I've known for 
going on 10 years at this point, it's hard to believe, the one and only, the Greek freak himself, Jacob Bublabasis. Good afternoon, Jacob. How are you today, my friend? Okay. I'm doing good. I'm glad, glad to be back. It's been a while. It's been years, I think, for real. But it's yeah, been a, I think cool, the last yeah. time. I think the last time I had you on was uh, during the uh, COVID pandemic. So yeah, uh, but yeah. <laughs> so, so before we get into uh, Cowboys Giants, uh, what's uh, how's uh, dorm life? I believe you're a student at uh, Bowie State. Give me a couple yep. minutes on the uh, college scenario for you uh, as we begin a conversation. College, college is great. It's like it's so weird how it's just a completely different world. Like as soon as you go back to campus, you're back into the swing of things. Um, it's just it's just nice having more responsibility and getting like a a trial run into being a full on adult. You know what I'm saying? Like I I like that. Even yes. though I will I won't lie, first two weeks been a little rough. There's a lot of random stuff. <laughs> <to be happening. laughs> I know you know, bro. <laughs> a lot of oh, random yeah. stuff been happening, but. It's fun though. It definitely brings a level of enjoyment, randomness. Um, just you never know what's gonna happen next, and it also helps you build skills, build discipline that you will need once you leave college and be successful in whatever you want to do. You know what I'm saying? So I'm enjoying it. I'm loving it. The good and the bad. Absolutely. Now with your Cowboys, um, first of all, it took you guys long enough to cut Ezekiel Elliott loose. Uh, I've been pounding the drum and screaming for years that he's washed. And finally, you guys got with the program and Jerry, you know, woke up from his, uh, um, you know, when the clock's ticking for him to take his eternal nap. I guess he woke up and realized that it's time to uh, kick Ezekiel Elliott to the curb. So what are your thoughts with with, uh, two things? Zeke getting cut and you guys trading for uh, Troy Lance. I'm interested. Yeah, with the Zeke, it's just that one hurts because Zeke, his the for, like his decline was gradual, but it's every year it just you could tell bit by bit. And I think in the beginning, I was definitely still rooting for him. I think everyone was still rooting for him, at least Cowboys fans wise. But as we get especially last year, but the year before, as Tony Puller first pulled up, and you kind of see we had someone there, and then last year where he literally blew up, like hit the best career of the season. He was outplaying Zeke, getting more carries than Zeke. And they did work well together, but Zeke's getting paid way too much for him to play at the level he's playing. I don't know. I mean, technically speaking, I guess he is washed. I still think he's a solid back. He is. He's not a Cowboys. We don't have to protect him anymore. The man is washed. I still think he's solid. It's just the the contract situation just you can't have that. Especially, especially with how much money we're dealing out, who we're trying to sign, resign, and then it came on top of it like we get rid of Amari Cooper for contract reasons, but then we had Zeke. Yeah, let him the Cleveland. Yeah, that and Cooper really, we really missed that last year. I will say that, but it, it just sucks. It sucks. But that I'm not like he should still be on the team. I, I know he should have. Been, he needs to go do his own thing. Hope he has success in New England, but that's that's just how it be, bro. And then with Trey now, Lance, oh yeah, yeah, go ahead. Yeah, with Trey Lance. No, you first. Go it ahead. was it was surprising. I will not lie, because that was just random. Like I heard Jerry Jones said it was a spur of the moment. They just want to get it done as fast as you can, and it was random. I don't actually, I don't completely hate it per se, because Dak's contract with Dak, Dak's my favorite player. As much as I love him, his era, his window with this team is slowly closing. Like. He doesn't 
the team we have now is really win or bust, like for real this time, because there's team wise, there's not much better we can really get. Like on paper, talent wise, I don't think there's much coach, especially coaching wise. Well, besides the head coach, yeah. <laughs> but um, there's not much better we can get. So it's really these next two or so years where he needs to at least get us there if he wants to continue to end his career. And Trey Lance, now I'm not one of those people saying that Trey Lance should be starting now. That no, I think he's got hurt. He never really saw his potential. If he can nurture something to where once that time is done, he can come in. I'm not. I'm not mad at that really. But that's still that's if it's not. It's not like Trey Lance is him yet. People are just seeing the potential that he had on top of him being a cowboy and there always being a quarterback controversy being in Dallas. People are going to push that narrative. Right. But I'm not completely opposed to us getting him because it could work out in the long run. Like once Dak's time is over and a quick transition, so we don't have to go on a full-on rebuild, rebuild per se. I think he was brought in more of as a motivational. I think he could be the the stars could align. No pun intended for him to be the coach. <laughs> but I think for this season, bringing him in right before the start of the season, he was brought in as a motivational pawn to say, "Hey, Dak, get your ass in gear, or yeah. here's your replacement right here." You can introduce yourself to free agency. So have yeah. fun. Uh, now I'm interested in this because you're away at uh, college. Now you're in luck because the Cowboys. I'm looking at the schedule. They only play two games in the one o'clock window. As hard as that is to believe, they they uh, week eight against the Rams on October 29th, and week 11 in Carolina against the Panthers uh, on November 19th. How are you now? You now you, you're no. It's not the worst thing because they are a national team and are on right. TV a bunch. But how are you handling away at college? How are you going to watch the Cowboys games? I obviously it's a Sunday night. You know you have a Sunday night game and then uh, you have a Sunday night game and then a Sunday night game week five and then you're on Monday night football week six. Uh, but I but I would anticipate your game. But even though it is at four twenty five. That game against the Cardinals is not a national game for Fox next mm-hmm. week, or excuse me, in week three. And then uh, week four, it might be. I'm not sure. But um, how are you? But week two is against the uh, against the Jets. That's the 425 game of the week on CBS. <laughs> how are you going to uh, – do you have – did you get the NFL Sunday ticket a student discount or uh, or no? So for now, I'm probably just going to do – because I can – I have uh, the streaming like the, through the cable provider. So since we are primetime, most of the time is not really an issue because usually I can get it on my TV or my computer or a small device. But I think the real struggle is come Sunday, a week of procrastination, assignments due the same night as the game. It's, it's well, you so know, hard watching the game and trying to do work at the same time, bro. Like, well, well, you know what you have to do. Once you're done with me, hang up the phone. <laughs> Buckle down. No, 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 no parties. No, uh, you're too young to go to the club anyway. You're only 19. Uh, no parties. No, 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 no girl. None of that foolishness. Oh, with me. You hang up the, you hang up the phone and you, and you do your work. You do whatever assignments, whatever homework you got to do. So you get it done now. You get it done Saturday. See, th- th- I've had this game plan since, <laughs> since I was in uh, since I was in uh, middle school, oh. and, I, and, I, and I and I haven't perfected it until I got into high school. 
you sacrifice, you want your Friday to yourself, have your Friday to yourself. But you sacrifice your Saturdays only during the football season. After the football season, yeah, you, no, definitely, definitely. But during the football season, you want your Sundays. You got to have your Sundays so, so you can watch football at least your Sunday afternoons. So you, so you know, so you can watch. You don't have to worry about no. The only stress you should have to deal with on Sunday is your team winning. That's it. So, so you sacrifice <laughs> your. So you get done with me. You have the phone. You hit the books. The rest of this afternoon into tonight, and then if anything, you know that you can't finish tonight you get done tomorrow so you got all day tomorrow to deal with it and even sunday get it done wake up early do it take care of it sunday morning so then uh well your team's in prime time so yeah really should do is if you don't want to if you want to ignore my advice make sure that all day sunday up until 8 20 you're you're doing schoolwork so by eight o'clock you're you know you're done all you gotta do is watch the Cowboys, and then that's it. But for you know games you play at one o'clock, four twenty-five, do your work at the back in the excuse me, do your work at the front of the weekend, so you have your back end of the weekend all, all to yourself. That that would that that would be my that, that is smart. But I'll be honest with you, the function pulls up on Saturday. I might have to slide. <laughs> it might just be Sunday eleven fifty. I'm still working, trying to get it done. I go lie to you, bro. That's what it, that's what it was last semester. I go lie to you. Get it, get it. Who you've had all summer to swim in the pool. It's still the same pool. The same people's going to be. You're not missing anything. Get the work done, so then you can have your Sundays to yourself. But it, it doesn't. How are you going to watch the out of market games? That is my question. Yeah, you know, so, Pan, Panthers and Cowboys is not going to be a nationwide game. So this, all, I mean, this is all, you know, quotation marks. Nothing serious, of course. But you know, I hop on a website called Reddit. You know, look for essentially the you know, the NFL <laughs> is cracking down on those illegal streams. So I think you might be out of luck. Hey, with man, those, I'm I'm gonna find something. I go, I go, lot of I don't care where. I, if it's not Reddit, I would go somewhere. I will find some website. That's what You're not gonna pay the hundred and nine dollars to get Sunday ticket student discount. Not right now. Not until I feel like I need it and. Because we are a prime time, I don't think I necessarily need it yet. Well, you and, well, you here, well. Here's what happened: you, you got prime time, and you got the game of the week, week two. By in two weeks, you'll need it. In two, in two against the Cardinals, nine twenty-four, right? week three. You, you, you got me. You gonna slam me? We go like 30, 70, 30. The the student the student <laughs> thing. It's only it's only one person per stream. Nah, I mean like I mean like you gonna I'm like you gonna loan me some of the funds. <laughs> that, that's what I meant. Obviously, we're not sharing. I know you already got yours. You know, just give me a little loan. I got you back once I graduate. Let, let me <laughs> let me let me do some calculations and I'll get back to you on that. Um, and what's your and last thing? Uh, so we can keep the tra- keep the uh, train moving. Of course. Uh, well, a couple things. Well, first off, and don't be and don't be dumb about this. Are the are the Dallas Cowboys really in your heart of hearts going to the Super Bowl? I'll say this: the NFC this week. I mean, ooh, this week NFC this year is kind of is kind of an L. In my eyes, if we can outbeat the Eagles, we can outbeat the NFC. Because besides the Eagles, the only team we really got to worry about is the Niners, and we're not losing to them three times in a row in the playoffs. I'm tell- that's not happening. We have. The past two years, 12 and 5, we were finally hitting that consistent momentum. 
And I go lie, Vance and Donis last year, we definitely sold. We did not even play good. We literally choked. Like I guarantee you, if we did not, if we played even 70% how we normally play, we were going to be solid. And on top of that, last year, the Buccaneers playoff game, that was the first playoff game in a while where we just dominated in the playoffs. That was the first playoff game where I was non-stressed watching it. So it's hmm. relatively the same team coming in this year. Dak, a full off-season being healthy, full season being healthy, hopefully. And as long as we play, it's just it, – we just play – we just choke. That's that's literally all it is. When it, it, I don't know why. And I don't know why we choke in the most obscure ways, but we just do. Because of who you are. You know why. <laughs> because it's in the Cowboys being – this is who they've been in the last 30 years. Go ahead. But I will say, full season, hopefully Dak healthy. Michael Gallup hopefully returns back to the form he was before his ACOs tour. Defense is still solid. We still have Dan Quinn. I don't see no reason why we shouldn't come out that NFC. As long as we outbeat the Eagles, to in my opinion, that's all we really got to worry about. And that's our own division. So I I, I know we are. So I we win in the NFC. I'll tell you that. Now, them AFC teams are kind of stacked. I ain't going to lie. It's, it might be dependent on who we face. I will not lie to you. But if it's if it, Baltimore won AFC, we got that. Cincinnati. No, we got that. I don't know. I don't know why you you responded. You know what I was going to say. Mahomes? I mean, maybe, but if, if they don't got Chris Jones or Kelsey, so who knows how they're going to be. Um, yeah, well, I just if they, well, if that's the case, they won't you won't see right, right. If that's the case, if you guys in some ridiculous chance make the Super Bowl, you won't see Kansas City. If, if that's if that if it keeps up the way that they were last night, you won't see yeah. Kansas City in the Super Bowl, yeah. But so, NFC though, I think we definitely we're a top three NFC team. I mean, obviously, there's going to be a team that surprises us by default, by default, yeah. Let's no, no, I, I, I will, yeah, I'll I agree to that because NFC talent is going downhill. We have two divisions that are just, just there, you, to be honest. Did you hear my championship Sunday predictions? No, nah, I have not. I have not a chance to listen to that podcast yet. NFC is, is uh, Lions and Eagles. AFC is Chiefs, Bills. Lions, Eagles. Ew. <laughs> to be honest, I don't, I don't totally not see it just because and I and for the record, this is bef- this was Wednesday. Before. I came up with these. Yes, because I think all is going to especially for the NFC. It's all going to depend on the path and seeding, to be honest. Because there's going to be division winners that really should not be division winners, and just because like the Saints division and even the Lions divisions to yeah the South the and South. the Lions divisions to a degree is like y'all going to get a decent seed because y'all won the division. But there's going to be wild card teams that are way better than y'all. So I think it's all going to be about the path. And especially with NFC East, because realistically, the w- one of the wild card teams is going to be Dallas or Philly, and whoever mm-hmm. they play, they could just get a. And the West is going to be either Seattle or San Francisco. Right, right. So it's all going to be about the past, but I think regardless, we're going to be fine. Like I just don't see us choking through two years in a row in the manner we had. I just don't. I just Cow- don't. Cow- Cowboys and Giants. Give me your thoughts. I don't remember the last time Giants beat us in a week one matchup. I don't it's know. It's been NFL, a long time. I don't know why NFL keep doing this. Like every year we playing these these guys week one, and it's the same result every single they've been doing this since Romo was quarterback. Romo and Manning, they've been doing this. So I don't know. They just don't like ratings. I don't know what. I mean, it's gonna be a wash. That's, that's well, they are well thing is they keep doing it because it, because it gets a good rating. That's then why why, they, why do y'all keep watching? Let's let's be real. The Cowboys like, in the New York market, it's gonna right. get a good rating. Yeah, but it's gonna be same old, same old. 
I'm pretty sure the Giants are like the one team Dak just obliterates every single time anyway. So we got that. And the Giants aren't horrible this year either. They're they're okay. they're solid. I don't I don't I don't uh, they'll be they'll be a solid team competitive team. Yeah. I see eight and nine and no playoffs. Yeah, I, I agree with that. I agree with that. It is middle of the pack, but we're I feel like we're in the upper tier, especially in the NFC. So that's gonna be a loss. And it's it's the Giants. Like, come on. It's Giants prime time. We don't lose to we don't only division rival that we really lose to prime time is the Eagles. That's all I will I'll admit that. Besides that, we got the, we run that division. Do you what is your um let's see if I can uh with a couple of things to ask you. What was your takeaways from last night's game? Hey, first off, did you see it? And yeah, if you I, did, I what, were you, what were you, what, what was your, what was your takeaways? One, what's his name? Tooney, the, the wide receiver. Oh my gosh, bro. Like, Kadarius Tony. Yeah, yeah bro. <laughs> like, and then I only watched the second half, so I didn't even know about the first. But I remember just watching, and like, I think it was, I think it was fourth quarter, late after the line just went up. Mahomes hit that man, no one around him, just. Nothing like that, just in and out. Like it was so, it was so obscure and wild. But I think, I mean, the Chiefs are gonna be fine. I don't. They're not gonna be. They're not going. Obviously, I think Kelsey is hurting them. I don't know if it's a leadership thing or. I mean, Chris Jones, of course. But he's hurt. Yeah. Well, Chris, Chris, jo- Chris Jones, Chris Jones is holding out. Right. He wants a. He wants a race. Yeah. He and he wants, is he, hurt. He, Feels like that he has uh, outplayed his contract and he wants a race. I think, by the way, and I didn't mention when I uh, when I recapped the game, I think it's a bad look for him to hold out training camp, not play week one, take the fu- take the fine for not or or excuse me, the lost uh, paycheck by not playing the game last night, and he's up sitting in a sweep. I mean, oh, I didn't that's know a, why, because, because, because you want to see the banner unveiled. Well, if you want to see the banner unveiled, it's like that you're not under contract. You have a contract. Now, I understand. Now, in fairness, I'm also on his side saying in terms of Kansas City, you don't want to play with fire and have Chris Jones walk out the door because let's face it, Chiefs defense without Chris Jones is a below average to, to horrendous offensive defense. Chris, right. The Chiefs' defense with Chris Jones is average at best, slightly above average. So I see both sides of the coin on this, but I think I think it was a, a rough look for him to be sitting there chilling in the suite, yet he felt the need to hold out. I am. Nah, I didn't even know he was even there. That's actually kind of funny <laughs> that he was in the suite. That's actually really funny. But I think the Chiefs will be fine. Like They might not be the top dogs just because the AFC is so stacked, and if you're not at your best, someone else will be. But mm-hmm. I think I took more from the Lions, just the way they were playing, the aggression. And on top of that, I remember um, late in the game, they went for a fourth and two. Like, I, like, midfield was – they were either up by one or it was tied or something like that. And they went, they didn't get it. But I think talking about early in the game? No, it was – this You're was talking about when they – This was, like, fourth quarter, like, game winding down. Maybe, like, five minutes left. I pull it up. Be- they went for, like, a fourth and two it's- near midfield. And I was just like, this and they, was, they didn't get it. Oh yeah, I know what you're talking yeah, about. Yeah, yeah, the Lions. Yeah, they. they yeah. This was um, this was fourth and two. They had the ball. This was fourth and two. They had the ball. Kansas City, 45 yard line with 233 to go in the fourth yeah, quarter. Yeah, yeah. In the pass play to run. I thought they made a mistake. I yeah. myself personally would have. Uh, I understand that it's almost like you're signing your own uh, death warrant, but. 
the way that the Lions defense was playing last night and the fact that the Chiefs receivers couldn't catch a damn thing, I would have taken a risk and yeah. the Chiefs deep back with within their own ten yard line and made and dared Mahomes to drive down the field and dared their receivers to make big time plays as well and dared them to march down the field and and get into Butker range to kick a field goal. I would yeah, if that was me. Yeah, I, I I agree with you, but I think just the fact that they were willing to do that, knowing that they don't have a, a necessarily an elite defense at midfield against the formal MVP. I think it just shows you what kind of timing they're really going to be on this year. Because if they're willing to do that against Mahomes and arguably the best offense in the league, even though they didn't have Travis Kelsey that night, they're going to be able. To, they're going to be willing to do that against anybody. And even if that would have came back to hurt them, I still feel like they would still be on that kind of energy first of the season. So I think Lions are going to be a, not just an interesting team, but a very fun team to watch. And it will be interesting to see if this aggression, this mentality they have, is going to end up hurting them. Because I feel like it usually does for NFL teams that like, keep this up, but. We'll see. We'll see. So that's what I took from it. That it, it things are gonna be a little different this year. The last couple of years, I feel like was kind of predictable in terms of once we get down to the final four. But now I think it's really wide open. You did a good job. Yeah, you, you know, job. I uh, prefer this one to the last one, man. You know. <laughs> I'm right, so we we when I do these uh, caller segments again and talk Cowboys, don't be a stranger. All right. I won't. I'm ready, man. I'm ready, man. Right. Especially once the season start going. Hey, <laughs> you know, you might want to, after we play the Eagles the first time, you might want to have me on right after. You might just have to have a little podcast right after the game. I ain't going to lie to you. <laughs> I'm about to be all <laughs> All right. All right, JB. Good to talk to you. Then we have somebody else that's standing by, too. Uh, we have not also had him on in a while. I want to uh, pick his brain on all things Washington Commanders football. Uh, get his thoughts on the game last night and talk to him about uh, his favorite football teams, his stadium that I was uh, fortunate enough to uh, experience for the first time uh, two weeks ago with uh, his commies uh, beating my uh, Cincinnati Bengals in a meaningless preseason game two weeks. I want to uh, share with him a couple of uh, impressions I got of FedEx Field, changing ownership, lots of things, Eric Bieniemy. Lots of things to discuss. Uh, I think he's standing by uh, up at, uh, I think he goes to Lycoming College, I think is the name of it, uh, up in uh, Williamsport, Pennsylvania, and he says hello. Uh, Brendan, good afternoon, buddy. How are you today? Good to talk to you. Uh, I'm doing good. Kind of tired, just getting through classes, you know, going to graduate this year, uh, and I'm excited about that. Uh, stressful semester, but uh, football season's back, and that definitely alleviates a lot of stress because you have yes. something to look forward to on Sunday, uh, which ain't always the case, especially in you know a spring semester. But yeah, I'm certain that a lot of people who are listening probably relate in some way. So yeah, I mean, listen, my spring and summer, my first place born wars have kept me occupied. But yes, thank God it is. Okay, uh, well, the, how often does that actually happen? Though, <laughs> Historically, not very often. You're very lucky, but, you know, I, I, I'd ride that high, but just be aware that it's probably yes. not going to last. Let's, well, let's hope it lasts a little bit longer than previous Orioles runs have, but, yes, first place uh, with uh, 88 wins in uh, early September. It certainly does not get any better than that. Anyway, let's uh, pick your, your brain in terms of your commanders. 
Uh, well, first, let me go back to the preseason game because uh, I had not talked about it on this show uh, either. Uh, I was at the uh, Bengals and Commanders preseason game on uh, August the 26th. And my first impressions of the stadium, this, this is the third NFL stadium that I've been to. Been, of course, M&T, Paul Brown back in uh, January. My first impressions, it's a stadium that, I, first of all, I like it. Now, the couple things that I – let me give you the things I don't like. I don't like the fact that it's in the middle of a, of a county, like it's in a, a, a middle of a, of a – of a small business slash residential neighborhood that I'm not in love with. Uh, also, on top of the fact that like there's no major highway right next to it, uh, at least on my drive uh, down there, uh, that you know you can drop you can on that on that uh, highway that's like hundred plus some odd feet off the ground. You know you drive by and you get to see a nice panoramic shot of the stadium, like you have with. Paul Brown, you know, when you cross that bridge and cross the Kentucky River, crossing the state border from Kentucky to Ohio, it's there with that stadium. M&T, it's there with it. That's not there with FedEx Field, which I like with my uh, with my uh, stadiums, which it didn't have because it's in a residential, you know, Landover, Maryland, Prince, you know, Prince George's County, not downtown Washington D.C. Um, I didn't like the fact that uh, was nothing I didn't like. I didn't like the fact that um, the traffic getting in and out of that place is brutal uh, with the the foot traffic and then the car traffic of getting in and out of that stadium. I did not care for uh, that. But I'll tell you, a lot of things I did like, uh, the the way it's built, like the size of it, it doesn't, when you're sitting sitting in it, it doesn't feel too big. If anything, it feels a little bit uh, more... Uh, cramps that you're sitting on, you know, that you're s- sitting right on top of the field in essence on the, uh, you know, from the upper level and you probably, and you've been there more times than I have. The yeah, upper please. level seats are probably uh, not as good as the seats yeah. in a 100 bowl, but when you're sitting in the, on field level in the 100 bowl, there's not a bad seat, bad uh, sight line in the building. Um, you know, the scoreboard, it's not a big scoreboard, but it's visible and it's relatively like close to eye level. Like you don't have to raise your head like, like in Cincinnati, you know, I, you know, great. But Cincinnati look the scoreboard. You got to turn your head this way. And Brennan's looking at me so he can see how aggressively I'm turning my head. You know, you can, you got to turn your head this way to look at the scoreboard on this end of the field. And you got to turn your head and look up this way. You don't have to worry about that. If it's like, all you got is like right at eye level. All you got to do is just turn your head slowly to the right, to the left. And the scoreboard's right there. Um, you know, I got minimal complaints and it does need a lot of money put into it. You know, the the concourse looks the concourse looks dated, uh, and uh, the concourse looks dated. And uh, of course, the issues with the with the piss and the sewer water leaking that we saw last season and seasons past. And of course, who can forget when the barricade and that little barricade right next to the tunnel to go up the to go up the yeah. locker room it fell and nearly and the eagle fans nearly took out jalen hurts so but it's not it needs improvements it's not one of the better stadium it's not the best stadium in the national football league but it's not 
a disgraceful, egregious, offensive, you know, dumpster of a stadium, you know, that people make it out to be to the likes of the Oakland Coliseum in baseball. Your rebuttal is what, my friend? Um, well, FedEx Field, which used to be called Jack Kent Cook Stadium, um, was completed in 1997 um, and was used for the uh, 98 season. or No, it was used for the 97 season. Um, but, uh, like, first full usage was in the 98 season. Um, what can I say about it? Uh, it's bad. That when they designed the stadium, they didn't design it to last a long time. Um, it definitely was rushed because, you know, it was, they were trying to get it done before Cook died, our previous owner. You know, the, the good yeah. one, the good owner. Um, yes. Uh, so, I, it's just basically how to not design a stadium. Uh, starting with the most egregious things. There is multiple places in the stadium that you sh- you could u- use to buy a ticket from where you'd have obscured seating and not be able to see the field. Like it was impossible to on see it. the field. You look it up. Look up FedEx field obscured seating, and you'll see that there is a bunch of places where you used to not be able to have any sight of the field while still having a ticket for game day, which is honestly pretty messed up because you're basically paying to go sit and watch a concrete wall for three hours, I guess, or move around and try to like get out of your seat, but not be able to sit down. Um, what else can I say? Uh, <coughs> very badly maintained under Dan Snyder. Um, oh, not, not even an argument. He always really went for the bulk capacity versus the, uh, I don't know. The, the actual manageable, nice-looking stadiums that we he get went a lot for, of. Yeah, go ahead. He went for, no, nah, he went for uh, quantity over quantity. And he kept adding seating until, like, he, he began taking away seating after he realized that his acquisition of the team was a fucking failure after, like, 2008. Sorry for the, the bomb. No, you're good. Uh, you're good. You're good. But, uh... Yeah, he stopped adding seating in like 2008, but like we got to like 91,000 seats in that stadium. Uh, it's also one of two football stadiums, actually no, three football stadiums I've ever been to. I've been to uh, the Philadelphia Eagles uh, stadium, uh, which I forgot the name of that. I think it's Century One, right? Uh, Lincoln Financial. Lincoln, it's Lincoln Financial, my fault. You know, I love insurance companies. They're my favorite. Um, and, 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 and then the Ravens Stadium. Uh, so, I don't know. Out of all of them, I think aesthetically, definitely the Ravens Stadium is the best. I also think the Ravens Stadium is by far the most efficient because, like, the Eagles Stadium was in a car park next to another um, stadium, baseball stadium. Uh, and Citizens Landover's, Bank, yeah. Yeah, yeah. And Landover's in the middle of nowhere. So, like, there's really no incentive to go out there, um, I, I, I guess, unless you're going to go watch football. The, oh, also, I don't know. Did you deal with the traffic? I assume you didn't since it was a preseason game. but Not, at, not as harshly, but, you know, yeah, there was a time, you know, pulling out of there and you're, you know, sitting and you see a bunch of taillights and people are ushering the cars to come by, you know, not, it wasn't as egregious as I thought it was going to be, 
but you know, you you got a little <laughs> bit of an appetizer of what it could possibly what it's going to be like essentially on it's Sunday. Bad. It's really bad. You'll be sitting there waiting for like an hour and thirty minutes to get out of the parking lot to to leave the stadium. It is horrible. It is one of the worst experiences a fan can go through because, like, you better just leave the game early if you have, think that you're going to get home before twelve at night, basically. Because that's for, yeah, for a prime time game. Yeah, yeah, it's 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 well, yeah, for a prime time game, uh, which would be the only reason why I think I'd ever go to that stadium. <laughs> Honest, hmm. honestly, because uh, otherwise, the experience is not great. Um, I do still like going there. I'd love to go for a game this season, but uh, likelihood's low with me being in college uh, unless somehow I can get out on Sunday and get back home, which seems very unlikely considering what I previously stated. Oh, yeah. We should also talk about the stadiums literally falling apart uh, as yes. well. They've been they've invested money into hopefully preventing that from happening as much, but I don't know. The stadium's not exactly the, I don't know, the best looking uh, because it's like 25 years old at this point and nobody's done any maintenance on it because Dan Snyder didn't care. Uh, so I do not be surprised if you get showered with sewage water again. Uh, but I do not think that you'll fall over fall over onto the field because you're hanging onto a guardrail too hard. I don't think that's going to happen. I think that they've done a good work at at least hiding and hiding a lot of the issues, especially issues at ground level, because like that was pretty exposing and bad that that happened. Um, bad stadium would not recommend it. Anybody who puts it in the worst stadium list as the worst stadium, I agree. I think it is easily the worst stadium. I'm happy you had a good experience. That means things are changing, but we need a new stadium. It's a it's old and they haven't done good maintenance on it and I honestly don't think it's a recoverable stadium because it's built in a way in which it's so hard to get out of the stadium that it's just not convenient for anybody. And also they have issues with people getting on Metro, like check the Washington uh, subreddit for that. You can read about that. That's a very interesting topic. It's just, yeah, inconvenient. Also, it needs to be close to the city Uh, because I don't know. The city doesn't really feel attached to the football team anymore. Nobody feels attached to the football team anymore. Yeah, kind of sad. Now, with your team, you got Sam Howell as your starting quarterback. Yeah. You have Eric Bianami, your new offensive coordinator. Pretty good. Should we anticipate the Washington <laughs> Commanders ha- low-key having a uh, a, a good uh, – a, uh, one of the league's at – least, at least one of the NFC's uh, best offenses in the league this year? I hope. Uh, if we can be a top 10 offense, I think that means we'll probably have a 11 or 12 win season. Um, you think that high? If we have a top 10 offense, Jai, we've had a, like last year we had like the 26th worst offense in the league. I'm aware. Yeah. Like we were down there. We were bad. Not because inherently, like, I, I think Taylor Heineke was good for what it's worth. 
I think that he is a very, very good competitor and uh, definitely like the best backup quarterback you could have because he wins you games. He won us games last year as well. Honestly, we should have never played Carson Wentz uh, in that Browns game because yep. I think that if we played if we played Heineke, we probably would have won, even after him going on that losing streak. I think that that was a huge mistake by Rivera, but uh, that's in the past, and we can't go back to that at this point, unfortunately. Though we probably could have made the playoffs, and I, uh, I'm, I'm angry about that because everybody now is doubting us, saying that we're a bad team. Our defense is still good. Our defense is still top 10 in the league. Um, and it might be better this year because we actually have uh, new quarterbacks like Forbes, for example, um, or Quan Martin, who I don't think is going to see the field. I think he's probably going to be very low on the depth chart, but, you know, he has a lot of good physical abilities that if developed could turn into something that's, well, very good. Very, very good. Um... And we're, we're set up at line. We're like, have some of the best linemen in the game. I think that, uh, I genuinely, if we have a good offense, which is possible because we have one of the better wide receiver cores in the NFL, I make the argument, uh, with McLaren, Dotson, Samuel, uh, you know, that's not bad. And we also have, we just signed Jamison Crowder to the, uh, practice squad, which like, I, he was around from 2016 to 2018. I know that's a long time ago now. That's like five. That's like five years ago. Um, but he is really good slot. He's a really good slot receiver and good gadget player for us. Uh, and if he still has any speed at all, he has great hands. And I think that he could be possibly come out of the woodwork from the practice squad and put up like some good games which is insane. I don't know how we got that dude on our practice squad, considering how good he was um, and possibly can still be. Go ahead. Yeah, what are you going to say? Now, do you – now, because you, you brought up Ron Rivera. Yeah. He was on my list of coaches uh, in my monologue on uh, Wednesday that it's make or break for him. Uh, it's not – you know, you guys, you have a talented roster – that can make the playoffs and with a weak NFC, you make the playoffs, you know, a couple things can break your way. You could find yourself against either Philadelphia or San Francisco in a championship game. It's do or die time for the, uh, for Ron Rivera. You know, it's no more. Well, I didn't know we could be eliminated with the playoffs with a loss. None of that foolishness. Yeah. What was that uh, stuff, man? I hate good, that. Uh, you gotta be get yourself organized with the with with your timeout and your clock management. Let's go. You know, no coming out flat and losing the games that you should beat. It's 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 put up a shut up time for him because it, because they got the enemy, new quarterback, <laughs> and new ownership. No no none no more of this. I will say put I up think our, get I get think the play, get to the playoffs. Issues, I think our largest issues last year really came down to coordinator, but we still have. We still have one coordinator from last year on our squad, unfortunately. But do you, but do you think it's do or die time for Ron? This season? I think I, I, this is the reason why I'm saying I think that the coordinators yeah. were the big issue last year for our team. That's my analysis of it. I think that Ron's too attached to guys that he likes a lot and has had good inter- interactions with in the past who might be a little bit past their prime. 
or um, maybe just don't work with our system or players. I'm talking about Scott Turner and Jack Del Rio. Uh, You can probably tell which one I'm talking about based off of what I'm referencing. I think that the, the, Turner has the ability to be good. I just do not think that it will be with us. I think that the way he runs his offense is very cutesy um, and badly disciplined. Uh, I think the enemy could be very good, um, but we'll have to see because in reality, we really haven't seen him coach a full game of football yet. Del Rio, on the other hand, I sometimes do not understand what he's doing. I still see defensive ends go out into zones sometimes. And that just pains me to see somebody like Montez Sweat or James Smith Williams, who just signed from the practice squad, just bringing up random defensive ends, go out into a zone coverage. That's really not good. That shouldn't happen. <laughs> um, but it does. It does happen. And more often than it ever should, I, I, it pisses me off. That shit pisses me off to a degree that um, I can't quantify uh, because it's just – it puts us in a bad position and they always gain yards off of plays like that. We also didn't do anything to get linebackers. So I don't know what he's going to do with that. I don't know if you've realized, but we have Cody Barton and Kaliki Hudson starting as our linebackers for this Sunday. Um, Jamin Davis will come back. Uh, in like four, six weeks, because he uh, was speeding very quickly, like doing 150, 160 miles per hour in like a uh, 50, 40 zone. Uh, yeah. And he, it's, which honestly, yeah, like people like that should definitely be suspended. Uh, it's good that they're suspending him for something like that. But uh, does not change the fact that we have bad linebackers either way. Davis would be the best linebacker, but we basically have Cody Barton as our backup. We did have Cole Holcomb, who I thought was pretty good and up and coming, but we just decided to be like, I'm not going to sign you. Bye. We're going to sign Cody Barton from the Seattle Seahawks, who's like, okay, at best. Uh, and we're going to suffer, I guess. I'm stressed about it. I do not think it's going to go very well in the linebacking core, but we have good corners, good safeties, and a good D-line. So, you know, just hope they don't ever pass over the middle, which happens like 50% of the time. So, very cool. Or have safety play down. Go ahead. Do you think you guys are better than the Giants heading into this Yes, I do. I also think, going back to your your thing, because I know you want me to make a declarative statement about Rivera. Yes. Um, <laughs> yes, I do think he's on the hot seat. I think that he had. Uh, the, 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 I'm adding up the issues. I don't think that. I think that his clock management's not great, but I think it's okay. I don't think it's fireable. I think that his decision making, for the most part, except for that, for like two or three things, is very good. But when we get down to the building block, tangible stuff like mm-hmm. picking your coordinators making sure people do their jobs when it comes to picking up free agents, setting up our team, knowing that we have holes to go well into this new season. That's the issues. That is the inherent issues. Because having, I don't know, a good game plan 
with players that can execute that game plan is more important than making an error like two times in a season in a game in a close moment and possibly messing it up. Yep. Honest to God. I think that that sucks when it happens, but I think that a lot of coaches are privy to making mistakes like that um, and uh, calling bad timeouts or calling bad challenges, etc. I think it happens to everybody. Um, but that does not excuse making bad decisions long-term, which I think is way more important for uh, a building organization. Or, or, you know, an organization that might be set up to do something this year, which I hope. Yeah. Uh, do you, what's your concerns heading into this game, is, if you have any? Is there any concerns heading into this Cardinal game? They, by far, uh, 1 through 53, are the worst team in the National Football League. Jonathan Gannon's out the lunch. Uh, you guys' his offense played very <laughs> well against uh, his defense, especially that first matchup on that Monday night. Uh, in Philadelphia uh, last November. Any concerns, if any, against the Cardinals? How do you think this game is going to stack up against uh, Arizona coming up on Sunday? I think that we're going to be too – I think we're too overconfident right now that it's going to be a slam dunk really? for us. I don't, I, don't want, really? I, I don't want ever to go into a game and think we're going to crush the competition. Do you remember like every single time that Washington has ever beaten an beaten an undefeated undefeated team? Well, it's happened a lot, obviously. Yeah. Okay. So last what, year with Philadelphia the, and then the twenty twenty Steelers. What was the talking points anytime we went into those games? We are not undefeated, um, except in the preseason for this preseason, but that doesn't really matter. Um, but we are undefeated. But what happens anytime that we have a game where it seems like the betting pool is going to go? for one team majority of the time. Heck, it happened last night for a large degree of people. With uh, Kansas City and Detroit. Yeah. I'm just telling you, upsets So basically, yeah, so what you're saying is that when you guys, when in a game where either you guys or your opponent is heavily favored, your instinct is to go the other way. Because, because you because you yeah. feel like that the game is going to end up a lot more closer uh, than in, than many people anticipate. This yeah. I, which I which I understand, but Brennan, this Cardinals team it's is bad. Awful. It's this bad. Awful. They're really bad. Listen, if they can move the football though at all, it could be scary. It, I, it's really going to come out to the first like two or three outings for 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 that team and for our team as well. If we can score two times within those first three outings, I think it's pretty much 90% guaranteed that we win that game, Uh, no matter what. If they come out and score any of those first three outings, I think that they have a genuine chance of keeping the game close and possibly winning. Uh, They're not a good team. They're a bad team. Don't get me wrong. Uh, and they're definitely tanking for somebody like Caleb Williams. But that doesn't matter because literally anybody will tell you this. This is a very commonly repeated phrase. Any given Sunday. Any yep. given Sunday. Um, and it's true. So don't ever doubt your opponent because your opponent can – in football, football is a wonderful game because pretty much – 
if you have quality players on both sides, any team can win. And it doesn't matter what win streak they're on. Given a good few plays or a few mistakes, you can win a game. Um, So that's what I think. Cardinals game definitely scares me. I don't like being the team that's favored to go out and blow out a team ever. Uh, because it almost never happens, or we don't blow them out, and it's still embarrassing. Because oh, you're play, you're you're playing against the worst team in the NFL, <laughs> uh, and we have to listen to that dialogue going into next week, which definitely does great for. I'm I'm assuming is actually a good thing for our team because it probably pisses them off because it means that we need to prove something more, but also. It's just dishonest. It pisses me off because uh, I know that our team, if our team goes out and blows them out or even like only beats them by like 14 points, I think that we have a better team than it, than last year. Because look at the score margins for last year. <laughs> Go ahead. Do yeah. you, do you uh, is this a playoff team in your eyes? Wild card. I think that if <coughs> something crazy happens with uh Specifically the Eagles, because I think the Cowboys are just going to be okay this year. Controversial statement. I, I th- it's not that controversial. Trust me. Really? Uh, you know, I think I think they will be a average eleven and six football team, if that makes sense. Yeah, well, that's still that's still playoffs, but you know, it is. But uh, making I the think playoffs they, by I default, think they might be more like a ten and seven team. The, Cow- the Cowboys report card for them begins in January, not in September. Yeah. It's going to be interesting for us because if we can get down this stretch of games, because give me a second. Uh, let me just – because this is something I realize. You want the schedule? I, no, no, I give you a schedule. I, I, I'm, I'm popping the schedule up right now. I got it. Don't worry. Because uh, I was I was pretty certain of uh, what I was about to say. Down the stretch of games, uh, first four games are Cardinals, Broncos, Bills, and Eagles. If we can win three out of those four games, I think genuinely we could be a playoff team. Because schedule gets easier. Because the schedule Bears, does get easier. Falcons, Giants, throw in the Eagles, but you also got the Patriots in between. Uh. Best case scenario, you guys head into the Bears game on Thursday night at four and four, or not four and four, two and two. Really? Would you take? Would you take that? Yeah. I don't think. I. Any, I, 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 don't, I. I. The thing is, I don't think in that situation, I'd know whether we make the playoffs or not. If we're three and one there, I think genuinely, unless we have a really bad slump, we make the playoffs. Because it means that we either we, we either beat the Bills or the Eagles, uh, and that would be that would be really good for our the beginning of our season. If we go into the Bears game and our two and two, um, we better win that damn game. All I have to say about that because like, not good, not good. Now another thing is if we were like one and three going into that Bears game. I think that Rivera is going to be really on the hot seat because he has a tendency to have slow starts to his seasons. Yeah. Uh, and it's been a consistent issue. Last year was one of those rare instances where we, we got a win, but then we began losing every game after that. 
So just as just as a side note, you guys have a lot of games on CB for an NFC team. You guys have a lot of games on CBS back to back weeks two and three, CBS six and seven against the Falcons and Giants CBS games. Week twelve Thanksgiving a CBS game, and then weeks fifteen and sixteen against the Rams and Jets and CBS. You guys only have one. Two, three, four, five, six—only seven games on Fox this year, which is which is crazy for an NFC team, especially in the East. Um, another thing, because I, I think the Commanders—they there will be positions and spots in their season where a playoff spot would be there for the taking. But I see a team that finishes eight and nine. I think that Everybody you guys and the that. Giants will both finish eight and nine. Uh, and we'll be on the outside looking in once the regular season dust settles. That would surprise me. Time for the playoffs. That would really? surprise me. Yeah, it would. Because the last season, we had a very tough schedule, and we went eight, eight, and one. Eight and nine would be worse. I just don't think that our team is set up to be worse than it was last year. Sure. Uh, we had some of the worst quarterback I mean, play in the NFL. Uh, there is yeah. there are a lot of games though that are coin flips, like uh, like um, like the games against the Giants. Those two are coin flip games. Uh, the two games against the I I could see you guys walking into uh, Dallas Thanksgiving Day. Hell, you <laughs> did it three years ago. Why can't you do it again? I can see you guys beating Dallas Thanksgiving Day. I, the two games against the Giants certainly. The Bears is a coin flip game. The divi- Broncos with, even is a coin flip game. With divisional games, um, really any team can win. It doesn't really yeah. matter uh, what this what the score is. You're almost always gonna get upset by a divisional rival. One of the games. Normally, divisional games are split. In rare instances, they're not. Uh, if anything, the team that I'm most afraid of in divisional is uh, the Giants, because they consistently seem to destroy us in divisional matchups for some reason. I don't know why. Uh, Daniel Jones just actually plays good football for once when he plays against us, which is a unfortunate outcome of of being this team, I guess. So, Hmm. yeah. Do you – let me ask you this. Uh, One last thing on the commanders, because I want your opinions on other things in football. Uh, how I can sense that the morale within the fan base around Washington has changed. It's more positive. It's more upbeat. It's more encouraging. It's more optimistic. I mean, I'm sitting next to Washington fans, Brendan, two weeks ago that are cheering their asses off in a meaningless preseason game with, uh, with Trevor Simeon at quarterback for Cincinnati. And they're into it. Like, you know, like it's a regular divisional game against the Cowboys. I get the feeling that the morale and the feeling around the Commanders franchise is certainly that of the more positive, hopeful, and optimistic side that we have not seen around this fan base outside of a couple select seasons here and there, but we haven't seen from them in a long time. Didn't you call uh, Dan Snyder a bad man? He's a bad man. Isn't that what you said? Do you remember that? that Hey, that's Stephen A's moniker. Yeah, for Aaron yeah, Rogers. but you, 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 you said that about him before, though. I remember that because you were quoting Stephen A talking about Dan Snyder. I don't know if yeah. you remember that. That was year. That was years ago. Um. God, anyways, yeah, I probably did say that. That's yeah. it's kind of funny. It's kind of funny, but um. Yeah. Uh. 
yeah, he's he was the biggest issue by far. If we're talking at issues for a real long-term success, like 25 years in the future, our team still means something more than the Commanders. Oh, my God. Um, <laughs> he can't uh, stand the name. I, I can't. Can you? If you're if you're if you've been a Washington fan, I'd rather be a football. I'd rather be a football team fan. Stupid as it sounds, I know. Just go back to the football team name because Commanders sounds like corporate hell. Honestly, I can see how you would say that. Yeah. Oh my God. It's like the most boring cliche name ever. Um. But. Anyways, let me get back to the the, the, the argument that I was making. Um, yes. Washington's biggest issue is Dan Snyder. It's yeah. always been Dan Snyder. Um, and, well, not always, but it has been in the past 25 years. And ever since I've been alive, it's been Dan Snyder. Um, so trying to get out of that, I think that the fan base finally realizes that, like, well, we still have this rich billionaire running our team. Unfortunately, that's just, unless you're Green Bay, that's just an issue you're going to have with yeah. any NFL team. Um, but at least the rich billionaire doesn't get into, like, five scandals every ten years. Uh, and has another sports team that they care about that's doing quite well in the Sixers. So maybe they we'll have, be successful. They, they, they do well, but and I know Brendan, you're not the biggest basketball fan. He's got his own headaches with Will, Joel Embiid, and, and trying to figure out what the hell to do with James Harden, who for some ungodly reason wants a pay raise when he did nothing but up and down, you know, he scores 40 points in, uh, in one game. Been, that's always against... been James Harden, though. James Harden doesn't play defense. James Harden only plays offense. I don't watch basketball much, but I do know some things because I have seen people play before on uh, on the TV. Which, which, and let me tell you something, folks, for Brendan to know that as someone that's not a, that doesn't consider himself a basketball fan on a account of James Harden, that's downright shameful and embarrassing. Uh, <laughs> that's just all there is to it. He doesn't play um, defense. What do you, what do you, I'm interested in your thoughts on my Bengals chances last thing. My thoughts, on, your thoughts on my Bengals chances of getting back to a Super Bowl. I think it's possible, but you have to, everybody's going to say this. You have to be Kansas city. That's that's. Do you think getting home fit advantage is a big piece of the puzzle or is it? Yes. Thousand percent. I think it's, I think it's a big deal because I think that your fans will actually show out, which is because you guys are really desperate for any super bowl at all. No offense to your, your franchise. So (laughs) yeah, you guys will probably show out. If it's Kansas City, Kansas City has a very hostile environment for their their field. You could have seen that last night. Oh my gosh, we're relating yes. back to last night again. You know where they were cussing out, cussing out the Lions after they were kneeling the ball down. That was so cool yeah. on live television. <laughs> very nice. Yeah, yeah, they have a very hostile environment uh, when it comes to uh, 
you being a football team on the field. I never, I've heard their fans are not bad, like yeah. that bad. Um, but definitely, if you're the football team on the field, they're loud. That's like one of the loudest stadiums. Uh, you really would probably rather have it be in, be in your stadium uh, in Cincinnati, uh, given an opportunity. It's the only way. The division's tough, but outside of playing, uh, where's my? You can see, you can see my hand. Outside of playing, uh, <laughs> he's mimicking my thumb. Me trying to fit my hand into the picture so you can see me count on my hand. Outside of San Francisco, Buffalo, Kansas City, and I give you the Jaguars as the fifth. The Bengals' schedule is child's play compared to the way it was last year. So the you better damn well get the number one seed. It doesn't matter. Playoffs are not Super Bowl. Playoffs are playoffs. You have to get yes. to the Super Bowl. It yes, doesn't do. matter. Beat Kansas City. That is your goal. This year, your goal is beat Kansas City. Because that's the only team that I really see possibly putting out issues for you. But that's up to debate. They did not look good last night. It'd be really I I would not be surprised if somehow Bills makes territorial claims. I do not think the Lions are gonna be good as everybody says they're gonna be. Oh is, really? Yeah, everybody That's a hot take. Everybody says they're gonna be insanely good. They're gonna be a great team this year. I don't think so. I think they'll be okay, I mean, but no. uh, everybody can be everybody can be high on them until they get into the middle of the season and they're like five hundred, and that'll be fun to see because I'll be like, I told you so. <laughs> Interesting. Now, the very last thing: Do you feel the same about Rodgers and the Jets? Yeah, they'll be bad. <laughs> what you want me to lie to you? Yeah, they're gonna suck. They're gonna suck. They'll be. They'll be. They'll be. Okay, let me raise. They'll suck for a Rogers team. They'll be okay, but you're not gonna be seeing like. I don't know. No Super Bowl. No. Yeah. No Super Bowl three. You know, like no insane, insane. You know, shades of Joe Namath out there. Like that's not gonna happen. Okay. People really, really want them to be good. Think they're going to be good. I'm telling you that Rodgers is at the end of his career. He's not washed. I won't say that because he's not washed. Right. Brady wasn't washed when he retired. Everybody says I, I, that that the, they, they just put too much of their life into playing the game of football for them to ever get to a point where they're going to be on the field and washed. But... Mm-hmm. This is the thing. The Jets aren't that good, just in general. You saw them last year with really suboptimal quarterback play, and, and they have a good defense, right? You'd say, oh, their defense is pretty good, right? Mm-hmm. With Sauce Gardner and all those other people. Um, what I can tell you of that is I do not think that adding a quarterback to that offense is going to make that offense any better. Uh, than it than it was last year. Uh, I, if we look at their free agent acquisitions, because I uh, Jets offensive FA. Uh, yeah, like they got line they got line help. 
And uh, I don't know. I just don't think their wide receiver core is that good. Because if you look at the Jets wide so receivers. So Randall Cobb and Lazard, all the guys that they got from oh, Green no, Bay. Yeah, 100, 100% no. Okay, yeah, no. God, that, like, what, what? I, 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 because, I, like, yeah, they made additions. I, I remember I remember them adding uh, Cobb, for example. No, I don't think it's going to change anything. How old is Randall Cobb? <laughs> How old is Randall Cobb? Let's let's look it up. Let's look it up. He's thirty three uh, years old. Yes. You would you want a thirty three year old being in your lineup as a possibly like starting wideout unless they're like perennially good? I'm telling you, I don't think that Cobb is perennially good. I think that he's a favorite of Rogers, but I don't think he's a perennial. Well, how do you think Dalvin? How do you think Dalvin Cook's going to end running the football? He's injury prone. He's been injury prone. Why do you think he isn't on the Vikings anymore? It's true. And and Salah, the head coach. I think he's okay. I think he can put something together. I just think that they're not there. They want to be there. They want to be there with Lazard, and I don't know. Cobb, and, uh, and you know they they actually have changed their wideouts. I can see that now, but um, <laughs> doesn't change the fact that even with this lineup, it just does not look good. Why are people high on this team? <laughs> yeah, it's me. Why it's, Gar- it's Garrett Wilson, Michael Hardman, Randall Cobb. Why? <laughs> No, genuinely, I don't get it. Aaron Rodgers, baby, New York Jets, New York City. Is that is, do people just like? <laughs> they're the Jets are historically not a good team. They're crazy <sighs> if they think that adding Rodgers is going to change that much. <laughs> so what? So what do you see their record being at season's end? I think that they could probably go nine and eight, maybe nine, t- t- nine and well, eight in a wild card. Yeah, it's possible, a hundred percent. But I don't think they're. Do as you good see as them that. winning the division? Are you saying are you asking if I see them winning? Yeah, the are they going to win a division? Yeah. Oh, I definitely think it's possible, but probably not. Give me a second. I need to. I need to gauge this a bit. We should have led with the Jets. He's Brandon is more on fire about the Jets than he is his own team's like, no, the Jets are not gonna be as good as everybody thinks they are. Yeah. Uh, Rodgers, he's not washed, if, but he isn't what he was. If the Bills somehow have a phenomenal, and I mean phenomenal slump. Which I don't see happening. Sure. Do I think it's possible for a wild card? Yes. But I think the Dolphins are okay. All I'm going to say about that even, is... Even, even with Jalen Ramsey's <laughs> injury. Yes. Yeah, I do. I think, they're, I think they could actually be okay. Tua isn't that bad. Uh, just don't get hurt again, I guess. That's the one thing that I have to say about that. Um, Patriots are easy, though. You have at least one easy, easy team that you know is going to have issues. Yeah, they stink. They stink. But the Jets can never beat the Patriots either. The Patriots were awful last season. They kicked and they the Jets' still lost. ass. Yeah. Yeah. 
So, but you do, you least uh, we're talking about divisional battles, which is yes. what we're talking about right now, not whether they beat them or not. Yes. They probably do not. They probably do not do worse than the Patriots. If they do that, yeah, resign yourself to Aaron Rodgers being a horrible decision. Also, <laughs> can we just say with heavy, heavily strong like certainty here that like Rodgers is not so good right now that he can completely change the course of a team. Like, because I, I don't think so. I think that I think that you can say that with pretty heavy confidence that Rodgers um is just <sighs> Rogers is just not as good as he used to be. He's fallen off a lot. He um you know, definitely has been seen as one of these better historical quarterbacks. People put him in the top five quarterbacks of all time. Um, and honestly, I, I get it to some degree, but you also have to remember that Rodgers really only has a Super Bowl ring to his name. Like, I don't know. It's hard for me to put a quarterback like that, um, especially with uh, – like everybody looks at their MV- his MVP season instead. It's exactly like Lamar Jackson, in fact, um, where like people are correlating a lot of their MVP seasons to them actually being valuable. But with with Rodgers, I think that Rodgers is not nearly as good as everybody says he is, especially now. I think that we can probably all agree on that. And I think he's overhyped, a la somebody like <laughs> Lamar Jackson after his MVP season, where you know, like, he, isn't, he isn't doing much. He isn't doing much. He has a, he only has a Super Bowl to his name, which is great. And some quarterbacks never get there. He'll probably still be a Hall of Famer. Well, he will be a Hall of Famer because of all the MVPs. And because ever, the NFL loves loves him, adores him, just like Patrick <laughs> Mahomes. <laughs> it's Mahomes for goodness' sake. Mahomes. Mahomes. Uh, Say it, Mahomes. Mahomes. Oh my God. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Mahomes. You know. I, I say it I say it wrong every time. I don't care. It's uh it's kind of just sad though that people think that he's gonna be that good that he's gonna completely turn a franchise around from like the issues inherently that it has. Just so you know, the stop back the stop gap uh like forty year old quarterbacks very rarely ever work out. One of the only ones that I can think of that actually did something of any quality is the best quarterback of all time, Tom Brady. And that only worked a year. This is not a team that has a make it or break it roster. Right. Not They're like, a young rebuilding team. Yeah. Not like that Tampa team. Mm-hmm. No. So just remember how ugly that could be. Because it could well, be we ugly. Saw, we saw it with the Broncos last year. With Russ, with Russell Wilson, oh my, my God, my God, that was, that was bad. Oh, what was boy. the saying? What was the saying that he had? Broncos, Broncos country, let's country, ride. let's ride. Yeah, yeah, Broncos country, let's ride. What even? What even, man? Like, I feel almost bad for that, but I also could have told you with pretty heavy confidence that that wasn't going to work. But everybody in 
everybody in that organization gets hyped. Yes. I. It happens with all old quarterbacks that go to new teams. They think that the world's going to change. I'm just seeing it too much because of my team. Donovan I know McNabb. Donovan McNabb, Alex Smith, Carson, Carson Wentz. Wentz. Uh, it doesn't work a lot of the time, guys. I know it seems really cool on paper, but there are reasons why that quarterback has successes in the city that he's been in. And, you know, when they go to a new city, all of a sudden things are a little bit different. And it comes down to scheme being very important in an aspect of quarterback performance uh, and environment and uh, their opinions on how long their career will last if they were to perform at all to begin with. You know, there's a lot of things that really make that agreement bad. When you have a rookie or somebody who just signed a franchise quarterback contract on your team, they have actually more incentive than a washed-up guy who's about to retire in like two or three years, even if they're the best quarterback of all time. So that's my opinion on the matter. <clears throat> Brendan, not high on the Jets. Don't We will not ha- make you a stranger, pal, during the football season. You did a sensational job. Thank you. Yeah, definitely uh, just – I don't know. I love being on. So uh, it's good to see you. Uh, and uh, hopefully, you. Uh, I don't know. Uh, hopefully, this p- podcast comes out well. <laughs> it will. It will. Uh, thank you. Yeah. Take care, Brendan. Okay, see you, Jai. Bye. See you. Bye bye. So, uh, Brendan uh, giving us his two cents on uh, all things Washington Commanders football. And you heard him. he is funny. He's not I on Aaron Rodgers and the Jets. And uh, never has been a Lamar Jackson fan to the uh, ire and to the uh, angst and frustration uh, with uh, the people that share uh, the uh, many of Maryland area codes. But we shall continue with this program. Something different. And we are not talking to Brendan, uh, spoken, excuse me, with Brendan in a long time. So I wanted to pick his brain on a lot of things. Uh, so, uh, the, for, so uh, if you uh, found that uh, spot to be a little long, deal with it. Uh, but uh, nice to have Brennan on and Jacob uh, JB uh, breaking down his uh, Washington. Uh, Jacob's Washington, no, Jacob's Dallas Cowboys, Brennan's Washington Commanders. But um, nice to have both of them uh, with us uh, here on this uh, Friday program. Something different. I'd like to uh, get a lot of you guys and I will uh, send out the, uh, the link so you guys can click the, click the link and call in and talk all things in this case, NFL football. So a new, uh, new feature, new, something different, something new coming to the program. Uh, this uh, beginning this uh, football season, but uh, there's uh, two other games I want to touch on. Oh, well, three if you include the college game and then get to the picks and then we say goodnight. Uh, the uh, Dolphins and Chargers, that is a sneak. That's a game that's really not getting a lot of uh, conversation uh, with, uh, you know, it, it's a lot of Bills, Jets, the game last night, and uh, Cowboys and Giants. That's a game that's not getting a whole lot of uh, conversation, and that's uh, and that's uh, Dolphins and Chargers, two and the crew going up against Herbert. Chargers, of course, bouncing back from that uh, despicable uh, playoff loss and blown lead against uh, Jacksonville back in January. 
Uh, they got a lot of healthy guys back. J.C. Jackson among among uh, the plenty. Uh, Austin Eckler, of course, his contract situation is behind them. They got Kellen Moore, his first game, first official game uh, as offensive coordinator for the uh, L.A. Chargers. So I'm looking forward to see uh, the, the difference in the, difference, uh, in, in the uh, play calling, uh, the difference between him and Joe Lombardi last season and the seasons prior. Meanwhile, that offense uh, coming up with them, uh, Tua's health is going to be a, a key focal point to the success of that football team, and and the ceiling for that offense all depends on how healthy uh, Tua will be from September to January. Uh, they got uh, Mike White in as their starting as their backup quarterback instead of uh, Skylar Thompson, which is a huge positive uh, to keep in mind uh, as well. Uh, they got no, they got a lot of injuries, especially he- heading into the season, especially with their star corner, who they, uh, who they gave a big uh, pay raise to in um, in uh, the likes of uh, Jalen Ramsey. So that defense, you know, which, uh, which saw take a step down last season compared to the way it was under uh, Brian Flores in 2021, but their offense low, they have a sneaky high-flying, high-powering, high-scoring offense, one of the best in the National Football League. Uh, and the Chargers' defense under Staley has left a lot to be desired. Uh, so I am expecting a – this is the one of few games on the Week 1 schedule I anticipate being a high-scoring affair. Dolphins and Chargers 425 uh, coming up on uh, CBS, a uh, the most the uh, must-watch game of the 4 o'clock window. Uh, right there coming up on Sunday. And of course the Monday night game and Brennan touched on it uh, with his, uh, with his uh, opinions of the jets heading into the season, Bill's jets, Monday night football, Uh, the bills, uh, like I told you guys in the reasoning for me, picking them to uh, win the super bowl. I think it's going to be one of those years where on paper, not, not everyone. And especially a lot of people in the media and football fans alike, not drinking the bills Kool-Aid heading into the season will uh it will be a blessing and will be a uh benefit in dis- it will be a blessing in disguise and will work out to the bills benefit this season uh where where there's not all this uh extra outside noise of them singing their praises and they start feeling themselves get cocky get arrogant all of a sudden you know team a la my Bengals that season uh sneaks up on them and picks them off in the playoffs I feel like everyone thinking that the Bills window was slammed shut. Josh Allen's turnover issues where, you know, he's essentially the more talented version of Dak Prescott. Oh, I think it's going to work out, you know, the noise with uh, Stephon Diggs. I think it's going to work out to this team's benefit. And hearing all the noise with the with Rodgers and the Jets and them being essentially now the new team to beat and not just the and not just the AFC East, but in some people's eyes the team to beat in the AFC. That's going to motivate this squad. Is going to motivate this football team uh, if they can, if their defensive players can stay off the injury list and can stay off of injured reserve. I think their defense is going to come back with a vengeance this season compared to last. And I think the Buffalo Bills are going to give the Jets a, a mighty fight in these two games this season. And I think the Buffalo Bills are going to come out swinging, are going to come out uh, giving the Jets their best shot. And it's going to be up to Rodgers and up to the Jets to handle that because they have a target on their back. With all the noise, with hard knocks and all the offseason talk on SportsCenter, uh, NFL Live, First Take, uh, all, all, the, you know, all the NFL Network shows that you can think of, 
they've they've gotten a lot of attention and have sparked up a lot of conversation. Jets, you know, Jets being the team to beat, and Salah saying on Hard Knocks, you know, the where the teams to beat, where the team that everybody has to be afraid of and has to go through when thus far they haven't proven it yet. Do not be shocked if if the final score of that game is Bills twenty four, uh, Jets ten. I'm just putting it out there. Do not be surprised, but I think that's going to be a very juicy Monday Night Football game to sink our teeth into come uh, September the 11th. Uh, Texas and Alabama, the marquee matchup in college football, uh, heading in. Both teams coming in, uh, coming into this game, of course, one and zero. Sarkeesian going up against uh, going up against uh, Saban. Uh, it's, this is a size will matter for these two teams, a battle in, in the trenches for both of these two squads, uh, how well each team can run the football, uh, control, uh, and, uh, and control time of possession. Uh, both, uh, the, the uh, Texas offense to- had 458 total yards compared to Alabama's 431 in their respective, uh, week one, uh, week one, uh, uh, matchups as uh, Alabama blew out uh, Middle Tennessee fifty six seven, Texas took care business against Rice thirty seven uh, to ten. First big test for both of these teams here in Week Two of the college football uh, season. Um, I'm very interested and in, I'm very interest, interested. I can't get the words out. Interested in seeing uh, the performance for uh, for. Uh, for um both teams and their offenses very looking forward to uh very looking forward uh to that the uh, Alabama starting quarterback Bryce Young successor uh in the uh, quarterback uh whose name escapes me um Jalen Melrose the 62220 quarterback out of Katy Texas uh who uh had a 90 had a QBR of 94 throwing for 194 pass yards and three touchdowns uh, 13 of uh, 18 in a game uh, last week against Middle Tennessee. Interesting to see what his big test is going up against uh, Texas. Um, so I'm very looking forward and intrigued to that. Uh, Ewers, uh, who went 19 of 32, 63 touchdowns. Uh, big test, you know, from Rice from Rice's defense to Alabama. Uh, good games. Looking forward to uh, looking forward to it. Night game, ESPN in prime time. Uh, see if Texas, they're ranked number 11th in the country. Can they swim with the big boys? Texas, you know, trying to make that move to the, you know, or they are making a move to the SEC at the end of this college football season. Uh, you know, can you hang with the big boys, the likes of LSU, Alabama, and Georgia? Test number one against Alabama coming up on uh, Saturday night. And also Colorado and Nebraska. Uh, at Colorado for their first home game in the Deion Sanders era, hosting Nebraska. Listen, man, they are, if there's a college football team outside of the usual suspects that you know is going to be right there in the Final Four competing for national championship, uh, University of Colorado is there. Sador Sanders, can he replicate his five-touchdown performance uh, against the Nebraska defense? Be very intrigued to see that. Uh, their defense has a lot of holes. Uh, the TCU went up and down the field on them many a time. Uh, uh, in, in uh, at in uh, in uh, I believe that school is in uh, Fort Worth, if I'm not mistaken. Uh, so their defense, how they're able to uh, to take care of uh, Nebraska. Nebraska coming in, uh, 0 one. They lost their uh, game last uh, week. 
<clears throat> with uh, uh, Matt Rule trying to revamp the program uh, with a tough defensive thirteen uh, ten loss to Minnesota, where points came in at pre- where points came in at premium for them uh, a couple Thursdays ago. Uh, their defense uh, did a lot of the, you know, tried to try their damnedest to keep uh, the Cornhuskers in the game, but their offense uh, slow night for them uh, going up against again the aforementioned uh, Buffalo's defense, uh, which was not great, getting up for forty two points at TCU last week. Will that uh, Colorado defense, which is you know a work in progress, will it provide a spark for the Nebraska offense? And Matt Rule, uh, cook has he cooked up something throughout this week in practice? Remains to be seen. You got Nebraska, Colorado, uh, the game of the week for Fox, uh, with uh, Texas and Alabama being the game of the week later at night for uh, ESPN. And speaking of college football, you know I'm tired of Michigan football. You know with I mean. They give up the four. It's a three game suspension, not four. They hand up the four fingers for the self imposed uh, suspension for Harbaugh when he broke NCAA rules violations in the COVID year. But I don't need Michigan, uh, the Michigan players and the Michigan uh, football program, you know, wearing t shirts saying, you know, free Harbaugh, getting into a nice little funky formation with the four up. He didn't die, guys. He's suspended. And with your cupcake schedule, and let me read you this schedule to begin the season for a minute. And, and it's not even a real suspension. Harbaugh's allowed to be in the building, at practice, put together the game plan, meet the media during the week. He's just not allowed to be at the big house on uh, on 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 Saturday afternoons on game days. So let me I mean let me get this straight. They with Eastern Carolina, UNLV, uh, UNLV, Bowling Green. Rutgers. That's how you begin your season, and the Michigan uh, and and the people within the Michigan uh, football program is going to get all bent out of shape, like uh, like like Jim Harbaugh had been wrong. Now I understand we can get on and we can quibble about the NCAA with their uh, with their with their uh, rules to the cows come home, but goodness gracious me, a it was self imposed, and b you'll you'll live if he doesn't coach uh, three consecutive home games against. Uh, against Eastern Carolina, UNLV, and Bowling Green, you guys will live. But, I mean, for, for them to sit up here and act like and pontificate and to signal like, like Jim Harbaugh was getting, was getting the biggest raw deal of all time. I mean, I, I, can't, I can't stomach it. I'm sorry, I, I I I I can't listen to it with the four fingers and the funky formation before they tee off for their first uh, snap. Of the, I can't take it. It was a. It was again self-imposed. And he didn't die. He's suspended, and he's allowed to have his fingerprints on everything concerning Michigan football, but on game day. Take it easy, Michigan. Take it easy. And enough of Mr. Brightside before the games. Here we'll play that dopey song by the Killers, one of the, one of the worst bands, most overrated ba- uh, bands of all time. We'll play that asinine. A song to get the crowd all pumped up at the big house up there in Ann Arbor. We'll play and sing along the Mr. Brightside, one of the one of the, which is not a pump up song, not a hype song. It's awful, awful, awful. One of the one of the worst songs and and worst college traditions of of a, of a pregame pump up song and all of college football. That song stinks.
Somebody has had to say it. So when you compare it to to Vitek with Enter Sandman, uh, University of Wisconsin with Jump Around, that is one of the more underwhelming, soft pump up songs for, to be to get a crowd all energized for a college football game. Awful. The song stinks. The band stinks. Okay, and this is a, and again, and we're laying, relaying it back to the to the heart to the Harbaugh thing. This is this is a program in Michigan that thinks that the whole world cares because they finally have come around to beat Ohio State in the back to back years. Nobody cares, guys. Okay, congratulations. You, what do you want a cookie? You beat Ohio State back to back seasons. That's what you're supposed to do. You're Ohio. You're, you're Michigan for crying out loud. It doesn't mean a damn thing when you go to the co- when you go to the college football playoff and you guys vomit all over yourselves and embarrass yourself and the program and put America to sleep in the in the Fiesta Bowl against TCU on New on uh, on New Year's Day. Nobody cares. Find hey, here's what your Arbaugh. You know what you do. Nobody cares about about beating Ohio State. I understand it means a big deal to 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 the team, to the program, to the university. But the rest of the world could care less. The rest of the world cares. Okay, you beat Ohio State. Now, can you win a college? Uh, can you win a college football playoff game in uh, in late this in on New Year's Day, on New Year's Eve, New Year's Day, and and compete and more importantly win a national championship? Which the answer to that question so far has been no. Nobody cares about your little asinine suspension. No, nobody cares. Because you guys haven't won anything. Go out there and win. And while you're at it, change your pump-up song. You know, lose yourself uh, till I collapse. Got to give me something better than Mr. Brightside. One of the worst, most overplayed and overrated songs I, I've ever heard in all my freaking life. The song stinks. The band stinks. The song stinks. Nothing good about that song. Nothing. Especially to play it as a as a crowd uh, pump up anthem before a college football game in front of over a hundred thousand people, and millions watching on TV. Enter Sandman, jump around. That, my friends, that is what you call a uh, that that's what you call a a a real college football pregame anthem, not the garbage that you hear in Ann Arbor uh, on uh, on Saturday afternoons. But anyway. I digress. So that is where you stand in terms of the cops football is concerned. It is about that time for the first time in this 2023 NFL season. We do it every single Friday show here on the Amatella Cataya's podcast. Week one picks against the spread in the league where they play. For pay. Game number one against the Cincinnati, or excuse me, between the Cincinnati Bengals and the Cleveland Browns. Cincinnati, of course, you know what they got to do. Road to the Super Bowl, road to Vegas begins in Cleveland. You got to take care of business against a team that's done nothing but kick your, kick your ass, especially in that city and that stadium time and time again. 
The Bengals are two-point favorites. Every born for Cincinnati is a go, except for Joseph Osai, of course, who hurt his ankle in that aforementioned preseason game against the Washington Commanders. Bengals two-point favorites. Give me the Bengals to win this game in a low-scoring affair by the score of 17-14. Moving things along with the Houston Texans as they C.J. Stroud makes his NFL debut against Lamar Jackson uh, and the Baltimore Ravens. The Ravens are 10-point favorites in this game. Odell Beckham Jr. has had some, you know, he did not practice the other day. Uh, or excuse me, was on the on the injury report, I should say, with uh, with an ankle injury. Uh, Marlon Humphrey, of course, is out with the foot. Mark Andrews, who has been iffy at practice the last couple of weeks, is questionable. Offer is questionable uh, coming up for Baltimore in this game. It should not be an issue. The uh, Houston Texans are not a very good football team. Uh, C.J. Stroud, though, should have a very promising NFL career. Uh, the Ravens are favored by 10 points. Give me the Baltimore Ravens to win this game by the final score of 28-13. Uh, the Minnesota Vikings in the post-Tom Brady era as Baker Mayfield makes his debut as starting quarterback for the, new, for the uh, Tampa Bay Buccaneers. They go to Minnesota to play the uh, Minnesota Vikings, uh, the Dalvin Cook and Adam Thielenless Minnesota Vikings. The Vikings, five-point favorites. They are trying to bounce back coming off of their uh, heartbreaking uh, season-ending loss to the Giants and wildcard weekend. Meanwhile, Tampa looks ahead uh, as they try to uh, rebuild and regroup uh, from a harsh ending to their season. Uh, signs Tom Brady, obviously, and then when they also got blown out, their season abruptly ended at the hands of the Dallas Cowboys on Monday Night Football in uh, the wild card uh, portion of the NFL uh, of the NFL playoffs. Uh, as we go ahead to the, uh, the Vikings, are five point favorites. I, I don't know why I keep them uh, why I keep them skipping over. But the Vikings are five point favorites. Give me the Minnesota Vikings to win this game by the final score of tw- of uh, 31 to 21. The Tennessee Titans trying to put together some semblance of a season uh, when you know that the rebuild and cap hell is right down uh, Broad Street for them. Uh, as they go to Tennessee to take, or excuse me, they go to New Orleans, excuse me, to take on Derek Hart and the New Orleans Saints. The Saints are three-point favorites. Give me the New Orleans Saints to win this game by the final score of 22-17. The Carolina Panthers and the NFL debut for uh, the young Bryce Young as he goes to uh, Atlanta to take on the Atlanta Falcons and what is a substandard and subpar underwhelming NFC South. Um... You know, they got Bijan Robinson, the running back for Atlanta. Uh, be interesting to see the crowd in Atlanta for that game coming up on Sunday uh, for the uh, Atlanta Falcons. Falcons favorite minus three and a half. Give me the Carolina Panthers to win this game by a final score of 24-20. As uh, we move on with the Jacksonville Jaguars, they go to Indianapolis for Anthony Richardson's uh, NFL debut. The Colts are a complete mess. 
the Jonathan Taylor saga, it looks like there's no end in sight. Who knows when we'll see him in Indianapolis coach uniform again. Meanwhile, the Jaguars trying to build upon their first place uh, division champion season, which they made it to the second round of the playoffs and lost on the road to Patrick Mahomes the event, and the eventual Super Bowl champion, Kansas City Chiefs. No reason why the Jaguars can't win their division by a landslide. Certainly pick them uh, to make the playoffs and win their division. And it begins right here in Indianapolis. Five-game, excuse me, five-point favorite uh, against Indianapolis. First opportunity for them to go home 1-0 to host Kansas City in Week 2. It begins here Week 1. They're favored by five points, giving the Jaguars to win this game by the final score of 35-2-7. San Francisco 49ers fly east to play the Pittsburgh Steelers. Ste uh, the Steelers trying to see what they can do with Kenny Pickett uh, in his second year in the National Football League. Uh, I'm looking forward to see how he uh, will adjust and handle the pass rush to San Francisco. Also looking forward to seeing, like I said previously in the program, how Nick uh, Bosa, what kind of shape he's in coming off of the holdout and uh, how much a game shape he will be uh, heading into uh, Sunday's game and in Sunday's game for the uh, for the uh, San Francisco 49ers coming up on uh, Sunday afternoon. Uh, the error as they as they fly east to try to uh, get back to the NFC Championship game where their season has ended in back-to-back -back seasons. San Francisco's favorite minus two points in this game. Give me the San Francisco Footnotes to pull out Brock Purdy making his first ever week one start in the NFL. I'm intrigued to see how everything holds up with the health of his elbow. Give me the Footnotes to win this game at a defensive slugfest by the final score of 13 to 10. The Arizona Cardinals go east to take on uh, Brendan's aforementioned Washington Commanders. Commanders favored by a touchdown in this game. The enemy, you saw that not only did the Chiefs offense miss uh, Kelsey, you saw that they also, and Tyree Kill from two seasons, like two off seasons ago, they also make the argument with the play calling with Nagy, as we discussed earlier in the show, they also missed uh, Eric the enemy. He should be one for the Washington Commanders offense. They're favored by seven points, giving the Commanders win this game uh, in a healthy fashion by the final score of uh, 28 the Vegas Raiders go to the go uh, play the Denver Broncos in the AFC West Divisional matchup to begin the season. Uh, the Broncos, three and a half point favorites, hosting the Vegas Raiders and Jimmy Garoppolo's Raider debut. I expect uh, not big things from the Broncos, but you cannot replicate the guard off the season that you had last year. Uh, yeah, I expect to bounce back. The Raiders' defense is not that good. McDaniels is out the lunch. I expect a healthy offense performance from Russell Wilson and Broncos. They got a lot of injuries on the offense side of football, specific, specifically in the wide receiver room. But uh, I expect the uh, Denver Broncos to get off to a decent start uh, to begin the season. Uh, they're three-and-a-half-point favorites. Give me the Denver Broncos in this game by the final score of 24-14. The Miami Dolphins fly west to play the Chargers, a game that we broke down previously in the segment. Chargers are three-point favorites. Give me the Miami Dolphins to pull off the upset and win this game by the final score of 34-31. to the defending uh, NFC champions go pay uh, Brady a visit, or excuse me, Brady, 
go play, go uh, pay Belichick a visit up in Foxborough. The Eagles are four-point favorites. They have new, uh, they have new coordinators. Um, the Philadelphia Eagles do on both sides of the ball, having lost both of them, Steichen and uh, Jonathan Cannon, the head coaching jobs. Be interesting to see if that affects the uh, offense and defense. I anticipated that it not. The Eagles went out there and drafted a crap ton of uh, players from the back-to-back national championship, the Bulldogs championship teams. I expect for them to make an immediate impact and no immediate, no sooner than immediate than week one against Mac Jones and a substandard underwhelming New England Patriots uh, offense. I think the Eagles will put together big time numbers against the Patriots in week one. Give me a good old fashioned blowout. 31 to 10 for the uh, Philadelphia Eagles in Foxborough coming up on Sunday. The Green Bay Packers and Jordan Love's first ever week one start against Justin Fields and the Chicago Bears. Should be an intriguing and interesting game. Packers and Bears with no Aaron Rodgers and no Brett Favre for the first time in, what, 30 years? Uh, yeah, the first time in 30 years. Should be very intriguing. These two matching up at Social Field. The Bears are one and a half point favorites. Uh, Justin Fields has got new weapons on the offensive side. Uh, I expect him to take that next step, you know. No no excuses for Justin Fields heading into this season. Give me the Bears to win this game by the final score of 28-24. Uh, of the Rams pay the Seahawks a visit. They were there week 18. They open up this season here in 2023 in September against the Seahawks. Geno Smith, can he take it to the next level? I think so. Uh, making the playoffs, winning 11 games. I have Seattle in my preview show earlier this week. Um, I think I expect big things for the Seattle Seahawks this season uh, for them, and it starts with beating the beatable team within their division. Uh, in the uh, and it starts with taking their base against the Rams on a Sunday afternoon. Um, they are five-point favorites against the Rams. Uh, who knows with the health of Matthew Stafford. No Cooper Cup for the indefinite beginning of this season. Uh, the, as the uh, football gods still want payback for their 2021 Super Bowl championship. Give me the Seahawks to start off the season with a bang with a 28-13 victory over the L.A. Rams. Sunday night football, the Cowboys and the Giants. You have uh, the, you know, they go back to the well with uh, with a highly anticipated and certainly most watched uh, game on Sunday night football. Never fails in the ratings as we discussed earlier with, uh, with Jacob. Uh, the Giants, they got something to prove to me. Daniel Jones, $40, millions, $40 million a year to be mid- I got to see some against the Dallas Cowboys, a team who the Giants have not beaten in a good minute, as we've discussed. The Cowboys are three-and-a-half-point favorites uh, on the road against the uh, against the Giants. Um, you already have injury woes with uh, Darren Waller, and I saw him uh, in the injury report earlier this afternoon. Uh, he is... Uh, Added, he was added to the injury report earlier this afternoon, questionable with the hamstring injury. Wide receiver Wandell Robinson, doubtful with the knee. So all things already not looking good for the for the uh, New York Football Giants. 
Cowboys should start the season off on the right foot. Give me the Dallas Cowboys to win this game by the final score of 27 to 10. And the, and lastly, on Monday Night Football with the Buffalo Bills and the uh, New York Jets on Monday night, Bills are two and a half point favorites uh, against the. Um, Hopefully that isn't too loud for you guys. Uh, the music, unlike uh, last time with the predictions. Um, but I got the Jets uh, who host the um, who host the Buffalo Bills. Bills two and a half point favorites. Rodgers making his New York Jets debut. Like I said, I think the Bills have a lot to prove this season, uh, and not necessarily to the to the media, but amongst themselves. Uh, not every, every everyone saw Jets this is just division to win Jets uh, conference to win everyone is high and drinking the, the Jets Kool-Aid I think Josh Allen and the uh, and the uh, rest of the Buffalo Bills squad is going to have something to say about that I anticipate a low scoring but physical affair first to reach uh, and go past the 21 points threshold to win Give me the Bills to win this game uh, by a field goal by the score of 24 to 21. And those are your uh, those are your uh, week one picks against the spread. So we had a we had an intriguing, fun week, jam packed, busy week. Here at the Amateur Lecatelios podcast this week as new football season is upon us. Uh, special thanks to Urinating Tree who joined us earlier this week. My buddies uh, Jacob and Brendan who, who stopped by to have a couple of uh, conversations regarding their favorite football teams over in the NFC East. And you know we will be back to break it all down and recap it all coming up on the show uh, and on the podcast coming up on Tuesday. So as we get Justin Timberlake going... New episode of the Amatella Catalia's podcast is in the books. If you like what you heard and new to the program, please do not hesitate to subscribe. Follow your boy on Twitter, Instagram, and threads at the J Shield. Follow the show on Instagram at Amatella underscore podcast and the show on Twitter at Amatella underscore NTIS. It is your boy, Jay Shields. Enjoy week one of the football season. Enjoy the baseball uh, if your favorite team is still in it, uh, as mine is. Praise be to God. The U.S. Open Finals are this weekend as well, and so enjoy that. And week two of the college. I'll talk to you Tuesday. Have a great weekend, everybody. See you.